The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 226th for Thursday, May 1st, 2014. Oh, Got to turn off those speakers. I'm your host, Rich, and our call number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call number, 347-324-3541. You can also hit up our feedback line, 347-815-0687. That's 347-815-0MTR. All right, so we got... A lot of things to get into this week. We got a a couple of funny things we got to talk about for this week's monologue. I did want to answer an email I got earlier this week, which I wanted to get into from Rob from Jersey. He said um, he he wanted to know if in the near future we're going to be moving away from Blog Talk Radio because he tries to listen to the Blog Talk Radio feed and the Blog Talk Radio feed is garbage. And, um, you know, just to uh, educate Rob and a couple of the other listeners, um, First, uh, obviously, he said he came across the show from Twitter and, and somebody retweeted him and he checked it out. So for those of you that are new to the show, obviously, yet last week we celebrated our 225th episode. So uh, just a brief disclaimer, uh, my take radio covers uh, mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, video games and entertainment. Uh, we delve into some comics and tech. It is a variety show broadcast from 11 p.m. Eastern to 2 a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. So. Again, you can tune in starting at 8 p.m. Pacific if you're on the West Coast, and obviously three hours from that, and the show will be over. As for how you can listen to the show, uh, the best way is gfqlive.tv or mtrlive.com, where you can watch, listen, and chat as the show is in progress. For archived episodes, just a brief reminder, you can always find them on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn Radio, all the usual outlets, and we're trying to get more distribution. Of course, video reruns you can watch on GFQ. As for the Blog Talk Radio feed, a couple of things, and that's one of the things I wanted to get into for this week. Uh, the Blog Talk Radio feed at this at this stage of the game is pretty much not something I really, really focus on because we use Blog Talk Radio now primarily as our call bridge, and um, you'll be able to uh, dial in and listen to the show via the phone, obviously, by using the call-in number and not hitting option one. But the Blog Talk Radio chat room, I don't even open it anymore. So if you are in the Blog Talk Radio chat room, uh, 
please make it a point to go over to mtrlive.com, set yourself up a username, and join the chat in progress there. So that's more or less the the easy way to listen to the live show. Uh, the Blog Talk Radio feed is not the feed I recommend. If anything, like I said, the Mixler feed is our 96K high-quality stereo version of the show. Plus, of course, if you're watching it at MTR Live and GFQ, you'll be able to watch it with video. Uh, sh- shows that are broadcast are usually released in podcast format within 24 to 48 hours, depending on how much editing is required. As for video versions of the show, you can always watch them on our YouTube channel. Now, um, one thing I did want to talk about, which we're going to start probably experimenting with in a couple of weeks, is probably also streaming the show on Twitch. And the reason I'm saying that is because a lot of you are using Twitch on your Xbox One, your PlayStation 4, and I figured if we could stream the show that way, you can watch it via Twitch TV, and if you're using an Xbox One, you can snap it into a corner, play the game, and continue uh, watching the show as well. So it's something we're going to experiment with in the coming weeks. Uh, It's either going to be Twitch or Ustream. Odds are it's going to be Twitch just because we cover gaming And obviously that falls in line with what Twitch is all about, but we will be experimenting with that. It's something where I'm going to probably experiment with it for a couple of weeks. But as always, the video feed is always on GFQ Live or MTRLive.com and of course on YouTube. So I hope that answers your, um, you know, that answers your questions. And of course, if you have any other questions, feel free to send me a line. Uh, MTR host at MyTakeRadio.com or at MyTakeRadio on Twitter or, um, via message on our Facebook fan page. I see Jay is already breaking my balls saying that he is, um, the editing of the show is removal of boss botches. It's funny because last week I, um, I botched the live read for the, the wrestling segment and I pretty much introduced it as MMA. And then Jay allowed me to, um, you know, he pretty much broke my balls and I corrected it, but editing it out would have just made the show sound really awkward. So I left it in there. Uh, no idea what v- what Vital is, Jay. If you know what, if you have any information about that, definitely uh, send it my way. Like I said, right now it's either going to be Twitch, UStream. I was looking at Vaughn Live as well, just as other ways to simulcast a show. But again, it's a work in progress. But all those feeds, excluding Twitch, are also available on GFQ, so you can watch it via any of those sources as well. Okay, so. Uh, We launched our Patreon this week. Uh, For those of you that have been listening to the show the last couple of weeks, you know that um, we were experimenting with go. We were contemplating going with Patreon. Now, uh, brief explanation. I'm going to give you the short version. Uh, Patreon basically is a way for you to support the show. Um, It could be anywhere from a dollar an episode to five dollars an episode, whatever the case is. And what it does is that we... I don't want to put a donation button because it doesn't doesn't work and chasing advertisers and trying to get the right advertisers for the show is is a gift and a curse and we want to definitely get advertisers on board but I figure as close of a relationship as I have with you our listening audience I figured you know if anything you guys should have a hand in the growth of MTR not only from a listener standpoint but financially if you so choose so what we did was we set up a Patreon account um I was recommended the idea by our friends at VGN Radio who have been using it as of late, and it's been tremendous for those guys. And, of course, our very own Andrew Zarian is also using it for um, What the Tech. And basically what you could do is you can support the show per episode. 
we only set up two tiers, a dollar and five dollars. So four episodes a month, four bucks a month or 20 bucks a month if you decide to do a five dollar tier. Now, we're trying to work out rewards and stuff to give away for those of you that um, decide to participate in the Patreon. It's uh, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com forward slash my take radio. Of course, that link will be in the show notes. And like I said, if you donate a dollar, you'll get an on air thank you. If you do uh, five dollars an episode, we will we will get a thank you out there in the video feed of the show in the post show credit. So we'll make sure to put all our Patreon uh, subscribers there and they will be seen in the video. So, you know, you'll be immortalized in MTR videos going forward. Again, it's a pilot program just because we're trying to grow the show. We're trying to do a whole bunch of things get better equipment, do a lot of other stuff. And, you know, it's a lot of it's it's a lot of financial expense. So, you know, if you guys are interested in doing it, feel free. If not, you know, it's cool. Uh, You support the show just by listening. So no hard feelings either way. All right. So I want to get into this week's monologue. A couple of reasons. First off, I went grocery shopping uh, Wednesday. And um, it's funny because, you know, my wife, we we do grocery shopping from week to week. So, you know, she cooks or if if my schedule permits, I cook, but she's been doing most of the cooking since we've got married. So, you know, I said, hey, I'm going to go by my local Trader Joe's and pick up some stuff. You know, well, that's one of the big supermarkets here in New York City. Um, you know, a lot of organic stuff, a lot of funky stuff that people like to eat. Um, really good snacks. They got a whole bunch of healthy snacks. But anyway, so I go on my lunch break around six o'clock and I drive to the Trader Joe's supermarket. It's in, uh, in Westbury, New York. It's all right. You know, whatever. They get some free press anyway. So I pull up and ironically enough, there was a well, oddly enough, I should say there was five empty parking spots in front of the store. I'm like, all right. So I pull up and pretty much here's a car in front. Here's my car. So I pull and park facing the other car. So as I'm getting out of the car, I'm on the phone with my wife going over what groceries to pick up. And I see a guy. He's in his seat, half leaned back. And I see a woman's hand on his face. Mind you, I don't see the woman. So I say to myself, I'm like, it's five, six o'clock in the afternoon. It's a fairly crowded parking lot. And this guy is getting blown by his chick in a car right outside Trader Joe's. And I'm like, nah, you know, and I, and I, and I kind of shrug it off, get out of the car, throw my phone in my pocket. And, um, I go into the supermarket. No Trader Joe's on in Westbury slick. So I go into the supermarket, buy my groceries, come out, see the see the chick starting to sit up, getting her bearings and clean cleaning her face. So we pretty much know what was going on. But it just tripped me out because, first of all, loads of security. Second of all, in front of a supermarket like I understand, you know, the, the, the need arises where it may. But it's broad daylight. And this is a supermarket that. Uh, well, this is a parking lot that is heavily trafficked and, and and I was, it just tripped me out. So, you know, I was still on the phone with my wife and I guess, Oh, get, and I said to her, I'm like, I guess she finished. So, you know, she's cleaning up and the guy's looking at me because he knew, he knew that I knew I, I'm sure, I'm sure you guys have, you guys have run into this where somebody does something real shitty thinking nobody sees, but you see, and you guys give each other the look like, yeah, I saw that. And it amused me because, you know, I saw it. I get into the car. He's looking at me and he has the look like, yeah, you know, like the look of a champion. And I'm like, you know what, dude, more power to you. But if you would have got bagged, 
It could have been indecent. It could have been indecent exposure, uh, public lewdness. Uh, there were kids running around in the parking lot because there's an old Navy and a couple of, of, of places to eat over there. So it, there was really, really, really no risks. <laughs> it wasn't really worth the risk, but I figured I'd share it with you guys because this is the randomness I run into on a Wednesday at six o'clock in the afternoon by my office of all the things I've seen. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think this trumps the, um, the hate crime that happened at the mall by my job where somebody just sprayed like anti-Jewish stuff on in like the parking lot wall by Nordstrom, which was really funky. Um, but, but either way, it's just a, a crazy story. I figured I'd share it with you guys. Now, the other thing I wanted to get into this week is a story that has been making a lot of rounds and I kind of want to share my views on it. And I'm curious to what you guys got to say. Um, and it's the, the Donald Sterling situation. Now, for those of you that have been living under a rock or just don't give a shit, uh, Donald Sterling is an 80 year old multimillionaire that owns the LA Clippers, probably a billionaire either way, uh, owns the LA Clippers and he has himself a, um, you know, uh, uh, a box that he calls his his girlfriend. So this chick, um, V V Stiviano, uh, whatever whatever her name is, she says she decides I'm gonna tape him because according to what she allegedly said, the guy forgets things and needed needs to have uh, the stuff he says taped. So this guy he goes on record telling this chick, oh I saw you taking pictures on Instagram with a black guy. Well, with Magic Johnson, as a matter of fact, you know, that's not cool, whatever. He was just pretty much told her, you know, don't take pictures with black dudes and put them on Instagram. Don't bring them to my games, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, We all know where it goes. So this chick, first of all, straight tranny. Like I looked at her, I'm like, damn, I, I understand you're 80 years old, but you know what, you know, J. Howard Marshall, who was with Anna Nicole Smith, at least, you know, Anna, Anna Nicole Smith, when she gained like five people, she was still a pretty chick. But this, this, this tranny, this spunk box that you're dating, whatever it is, was in it for the payday. So it amuses me because, so, you know, the guy makes his, the, the guy makes the, the, the statement the tape gets released, of course, through everyone's favorite news outlet, TLC, uh, TLC TMZ, uh, TMZ releases it, and everybody goes into a, 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 a fervor about it. Obviously, the national, the, the NBA and uh, the players union, everybody's super upset. What the fuck? You know, this guy. And it was funny to me because uh, for a couple of reasons, it was it amuses me because it is a terrible, terrible thing. As as somebody, you know, who comes from a from a mixed race background, you know, I know what it's like to be discriminated against, whether it's to your face or behind your back. And, you know, those are stories that I can share another day. Slick Slick knows a few of them. But either way, you know, to be to to have that level of discrimination and be um, so obvious about it just really trips me out. Like, I'm like, wow, you know, this dude, he really he really went all out there. Now, obviously, the first the first line of defense is, oh, well, the guy's being illegally taped in his home, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Listen, let's 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 not kid ourselves on the subject of race. What the guy did, completely terrible. His punishment, perfectly, perfectly suited, perfectly fitting. And if they force him to 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 sell the team, great or not. But either way, with with regards to race, we are all racist we're all prejudiced we're all we're, we're all just we're all shitty in our own unique ways and the reason i say this is because uh, a, a comic who i'm a fan of 
uh, the you know the the great Patrice O'Neill who who passed away. Uh, he used to talk about race, and he used to wear his, he used to say, "I wear my racism on my sleeve. I don't make any qualms about who I don't like, who I like, whatever it is, what it is." And um, you know, Jay says in the chat, "The man had a history of this for years. The guy had a history. You know, the the guy had a history of this. But you know what the the funny thing is with that, Jay? Everybody has a history of something until it becomes public. Great example." politician who was into getting hand jobs in bathrooms decides to stick his shoe under the stall do the old double tap before you know it the guy gets arrested and and you know all hell breaks loose and the guy's personal baggage is out there what i want to talk about is the fact that people are especially facebook and and this is why i'm going into this a lot of facebook advocates a lot of guys on facebook that are that are automatically offended and the funny thing is that some of them are the biggest racist pieces of shit that I know. And and some of, and I consider these people my friends, but I call a spade a spade, you you're you're a racist piece of shit. And anybody who tells me that they don't that they don't have any racially motivated behavior, do me a favor and jump in front of a bus cuz you're lying. Listen. If you are in a in an urban neighborhood and you're walking down the street and you see a group of teenagers walking down the block, and you cross to the other side of the street, and you're not black. Clearly, it's some racial shit. If you're driving, and an Asian person cuts you off, and you call them something derogatory, that's some racial shit. You know, it's as simple as that. If if you're you're if you're in a restaurant and certain people that come in order food the wrong way, and you say something about them being not of that ethnicity, that's some racial shit. I've seen it. it happens all the time. We are all racist. In our own unique ways, I even even my own people being Puerto Rican, Puerto Ricans, we are of mixed race. Some of us are have, you know, Taino Indian, African American, Italian, German, whatever. But you know what we are? We're fucking racist as shit. I know plenty of Puerto Ricans that are that are as white as this can of monster. And they will be they will say something derogatory about someone who's African American or someone who's of who's not Puerto Rican. But it's like. Where are you going to hide them soup coolers, them big ass lips or them flat feet? Where are you going to hide that? Where are you going to hide that hair that needs 17 pounds of product to look straight when you brush it? Like, like, come on. Listen, what Donald Sterling did is is awful. It is terrible. It is, you know, it, it is it is racism at, at its at its best. But don't jump on social media playing the role. Don't do it. Please don't do it. Don't jump on. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm so offended. Like, like I'm talking about somebody wrote like a paragraph, a person I know, a paragraph about race and and the inequalities that they have to stop it. Stop it. You're the same person who said, you know, Miley Cyrus is a crack ass bitch. You are the same individual that said it. So stop. Don't you know, don't don't put yourselves out there. Please be honest with yourselves, you know, and like Val says, but the likes, it's true. It's it, stop. And it's funny because and the reason I wanted to share this with you guys is because something very interesting happened and it happened in the gaming industry of all places. So we all know, like I said, the Donald Sterling situation, terrible situation. So I was going to save this for the gaming segment, but it actually ties into this week's monologue. So there's a studio, which is Turtle Rock, which did Left 4 Dead and Evolve, that um, had to fire their community manager after a controversial tweet that went out about Donald Sterling. 
Now, this particular, um, the guy's name is Josh Olin, and he said that Donald Sterling is a victim who has the right as an American to be an old bigot in the security of his own home. Now, obviously, uh, he tweeted that. He said, here's an unpopular opinion. Donald Sterling has the right as an American to be an old bigot in the security of, of his own home. He's an he's a victim. This is what the guy said. So, of course, you know, the Twitter verse went fucking crazy, blah, blah, blah. And sure as shit, the guy got fired, got fired. So Kotaku published it and they published an update. They said a representative from Turtle Rock declined to comment when reached by Kotaku. But Olin sent over a statement, which I'm going to share with you guys. He said, anyone who follows me knows my tweets were not in support of Sterling's actions. Rather, they were promoting three core tenets I believe in. The harm sensational media presents to society, the importance and sanctity of your privacy within your own home, and the right to be whatever you want to be as an American as long as it isn't hurting anyone else. That last point, not to be confused with condoning Sterling's actions, which I don't. That said, it's disappointing to see that a select few in Turtle Rock and 2K Games management brought bought into this hysteria without even having a conversation with me or even thoroughly reviewing the context of the tweets themselves. Ironically, it serves as a great example of why I hold tenant number one above so close to my heart. That said, everyone should totally still buy Evolve. The guys and gals making the game know their shit and are making it good. Again, tenant number one, the harm sensational media presents to society. So taking what was said into consideration, you know, it, it's, it's, it's terrible. It, like I said, it's terrible. Nobody, nobody here condones it. I don't agree to it. But it's funny to me because, you know, he said, you know, there's no Jay says there's nothing illegal about being a moron. Although I wish it was being but being a racist is not a crime, you know, and it's funny because Mark Cuban said the same thing. Mark Cuban was like, listen, the guy's a moron. He's a fucking idiot. He's a racist. But, you know, it's not a crime. How it was handled was correct. You take away what the guy values most. Oh, you like to sit at basketball games and ball out and think you're an owner? Well, guess what? You could sit your you could sit your five dollar ass home, and that's what you're gonna do. And you're gonna cough up two million dollars, which I'm sure is not even hurting that guy. And who knows? Maybe they'll force him to sell the team. And you know what? I'd laugh if they sold the team and the owner was African American. It would it would amuse me to no end because that's that's how you get guys like that. You don't you don't you don't chastise them. You don't you don't castigate them. You don't throw them under the bus because you know what they do? They use the greatest superpower of all time. You know what that superpower is? Money. Money is the greatest superpower. It is it is it is a superpower that trumps there's there's three superpowers in this world. Money religion and and pussy <laughs> that's it that's how it goes those are your those are your three those are your three weapons of 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 mass distortion money because mo- everything has a price you know religion because people can kill for religion in the name of religion with minimal effort and women just because like i said look look at all it took one decent tranny looking chick spreading a tape to the press that just destroyed this guy's entire empire because it really is destroyed i mean even if the guy sells the team and he makes his money he can never he's never going to be viewed the same way ever again ever again even even if the guy walks away with with a couple million dollars he will never ever be the same again ever He's just going to be, he's just going to be, Hey, it's the old racist guy that got fired 
by the NBA. And that's the, that's the thing that just amuses me. That's how you get that guy. But like I said, those are the three most powerful weapons in this universe. Money, women, and religion. That's it. Him being a moron, him being a racist, it, it, everybody's upset about it for now. Two years, three years, four years from now, Donald Sterling, he might be dead. Like I said, the guy's 80 fucking years old. You're an 80-year-old racist millionaire. Big shocker, people. Big shocker. That's all I'm saying. You know, it's like, the I like that, that uh, you know, Isaiah said that too, like Paula Dean. Everybody was in a fervor over Paula Dean, and everybody was upset over Paula Dean. But guess what Paula Dean still got? All her money. Guess what people are still doing? Eating at her restaurants. Not just, you know, white Southern people, but African-Americans, Hispanic, everybody. I know a couple of people that they were like, yo, I went to Paula Dean's restaurant, man. She got some great biscuits. Craziness. I'm like, weren't you the same person who was offended? Like six months ago about her saying some racial stuff. Yeah, but that doesn't take away from the fact that she makes some good ass food. She makes some good ass food. (laughs) I can't, folks. I can't. And this is and this is what this is what I'm saying. You know, now no one wants no one wants to give a shit. Exactly. And that's that's what it is. You know, I just you know, to to close things out, I I just got to say, ladies and gentlemen, your your faults, good, bad or otherwise, don't try to hide them under a shield of of justice when it only bothers you. What I'm saying is, if you're going to be offended, be offended for something that matters. Like some 80-year-old billionaire said something about about African Americans. Does it bother you? Sure. Does it affect you on your on your on a daily level? No. You want to know what affects me on a daily level that bothers me that I feel is more important than some old racist guy saying some real ignorant shit? You know, you know what bugs me? The fact that there are still kids in this country that are homeless, that have no food. That bugs me. The fact that in, in 2013, even if you have a decent job, if you live in New York City, you need at least two other jobs to barely scrape by. That bugs me. You know, the fact that, that you have to pay out your ass in taxes and everything else and you can't get a single thing from the government. That bugs me. Some old racist dude. Yeah. It's race, it's racial, it, it bothers me, but it doesn't bother me enough to write a 20-page a diatribe about it, you know? That, that's all I'm saying. Like, same thing with politics. Politics affect me to a point, and, and, and people, they just, they just get confused when I say that, you know? It's like, it's like, oh, you know, how do you feel about Obama? He's the president, he's black, and half of the shit he promised, he didn't do. That's it. And everybody's like, but you see, you elect a, uh, th- this was, this was a funny one. A guy I know, he was like, yeah, you know, a black guy goes in there and he got in there because he got the black vote and, and you know, he hasn't been able to accomplish nothing. It's like, okay, but you know what? That can be applied to all politicians. Race don't got shit to do with it. You know, that's, that's how it goes. Uh, Isaiah says, be offended that the house just stopped the bill to raise minimum wage. But after that gave corporations 15, a $15 million black, uh, $50 million tax break. Slick says black vote alone would not have gotten him in. Plenty of white people voted for him too. And this is the, the, but these are the things you see, you see how you guys are talking about all this stuff. That's what I'm saying. Like, like I want to take an example. My, 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 my colleague Slick, Slick is African-American. Slick, if Obama decided tomorrow that he was going to step down as president, would it bother you in the least considering that what he's done may or may not have affected you? Like if Obama went on TV and he said, you know what? Fuck this job. I quit. Would it bug you? Would you care? Like I'm like, I'm serious. 
Val, this goes for you too. Would you give a shit? <laughs> I'm sorry, but I wouldn't. Could be a black president, white president, brown president, green president, whatever. See, but Slick says it would bug me because that would make him a quitter. It would make him a quitter, but what I'm saying is, would him not being in office impact you in any significant way? That's all I want to know. Just, just answer me that. Obama may have fucked up, but he has not fucked up any more or less than any other recent president. And no, I would not. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what I'm talking about. You know, I'm more concerned about our shitty ass mayor than I am about the president. Just because the dude is he's just chilling like the trickle down effect is is minimal. Don't get me wrong. Some of the stuff they've done has affected a lot of people, you know, medical benefits, all this stuff. I understand. And I'm not going to get into this whole big political debate. I, I get it. But I'm just talking about direct effect, direct. How much of it is directly impacting you? You know, that's all it is. But like I said, I wanted to share uh, my thoughts on the Sterling situation, good, bad or otherwise. Like I said, the views at the start of the show, the views reflected by me do not reflect the views of the rest of our staff, our advertisers and our partners. They're my views and my views alone. That's all I'm saying. But yeah, this is this is what we got. We got the entire world on its head over a guy who will probably die six months from now. <laughs> Cranberry kid, Rob Ford for president. <laughs> that motherfucker needs all the help he can get. Anyway, let's let's not beat this up anymore. Um, last but not least, let me throw out some other updates real quick. Um, we are going to try and do more streaming now that uh, we have, you know, some we're into next gen and we're doing more video. We are going to try and do more streaming. Uh, just make sure to look for us on Twitch, twitch.com forward slash my take radio underscore TV. And we're going to be trying to do some stuff there. Uh, make sure to check out Slick's review of Child of Light, which was published today. Uh, very good game. Highly, highly recommended by Slick. Read it and you will see why. And um, be on the lookout. Of course, we got reviews for Spider-Man 2 coming this weekend. Slick is going to uh, amazing Spider-Man 2. Sorry. Uh, Slick is going to hit us with the one two punch of a, a review of the amazing Spider-Man 2 game and the film we're also going to get a review from the rightist and of course yours truly will be going to see amazing spider-man sunday so be on the lookout for a review from me most likely uh late sunday night early monday morning all right so let's get into some mma because a lot went down this weekend uh big title defense uh john jones defending against glover Teixeira. It, it was it was it was worth discussing let's get to it All right, so I got to give a shout out for this week to our friends at East Coast MMA. Uh, they got a nice promo code that you guys can use, which is Beast Coast, lowercase, B-E-A-S-T-C-O-A-S-T, altogether one word, Beast Coast, uh, free shipping on orders over 50 bucks. Make sure to check them out, eastcoastmma.com, and of course, we'll make sure to put a link for that in the show notes. So let's talk about UFC 172. Now, UFC 172 had a lot of of discussion, a lot of debate going into it. Um, Jay Santee said it best. John Jones is the Mayweather of MMA. But before we get into that fight, I do want to talk about the card, which had a lot of great fights. Charlie Brenneman taking on J Danny Castillo. Uh, ridiculous, ridiculous knockout. Danny Castillo via knockout in the second round with a nasty right hand that pretty much just collapsed. 
Charlie Brenneman. So definitely a solid performance. Uh, Beth Carrera took on Jessamine Duke. Of course, Jessamine Duke is part of the four horsewomen of MMA, along with uh, Shayna Baszler and uh, Maria Marina Schaefer and Ronda Rousey. But it was not the coming out party Jessamine Duke had intended as Beth Carrera took the fight from Jessamine Duke via unanimous decision. Uh, both women came in undefeated. Jessamine Duke was 3-0. and uh, Beth Carrera was 7-0. and But it was it was a, a more of a coming out party for Carrera than for Duke. And a lot of people said that the fight just it just didn't it didn't engage them the way they wanted to. I kind of watched most of the fight on fast forward. Uh, Carrera definitely bringing the heat all three rounds. Just just every time working solid leg kicks. Uh, really really working the striking game. Putting Jessica Jessamine Duke on the on the defense. Um, it was it was it was crazy. It was crazy that the fight really was not as good as it should have been. But sometimes it happens. Not every fight is going to be a barn burner. This one was not. But definitely congrats to Beth Carrera who put her uh, exclamation point on her victory by challenging and saying that she will take apart any member of the four horsewomen of MMA. So uh, be that as it may, she's got her work cut out for her. On the lightweight side of things, one of my favorites and pride veteran, Takanori Gomi, the fireball kid, took on Isaac Valley Flag in a very, very awesome fight that I really enjoyed. Some people complained about it, but uh, the fireball kid secured another decision uh, unanimously against Isaac Valley Flag. I'm just happy because I was really worried that Gomi was going to continue losing and was going to get cut. So I am very happy to see that the fireball kid uh, got himself a nice unanimous decision and he gets to hang out a little longer. Like I said, Takanori Gomi, pride veteran, legend in the sport. I was I was rooting for him the entire time and I am definitely glad that he secured the victory. On the flyweight side of things, Joseph Benavides continues his winning ways by securing a submission victory on Tim Elliott. Beautiful uh, uh guillotine submission that he got in there. It was really nasty. It went very very quick in the blink of an eye. It was over. Now, on the pay-per-view side of things, Yancey Madero's Jim Miller. Uh, Jim Miller continues to impress that that guy's probably one or two fights away from a title opportunity. Beautiful technical submission that he secured on Yancey Madero's in the first round. It was it was nasty. Jim Miller continues to become a force at 155. Definitely impressed by his performance. Another amazing performance was Luke Rockhold, who secured a victory via submission in the first round with a very, very... Sick looking Kimura on Tim Bosch. I I really liked it. I think Rockhold is starting to hit his hit his stride, and he's really trying to go in there and do what he's got to do. Um, the only thing I do have to say is that with Rockhold, you know, he wants a fight with Vitor. It could happen, but I'm sure he'll get the fight with Bisping. Um, you know, before he gets the fight with Vitor. But definitely solid submission wins from both Jim Miller and Luke Rockhold. Also, Max Holloway, which I actually missed the early goings of that fight, but Holloway had a really nasty submission as well with a great guillotine on Andre Feely. Now, let's talk co-main event. Wow, I'm sweating a lot for some reason. Anyway, on the co-main side of things, Anthony Rumble Johnson making his return to the UFC at a, at a, at a very big 205 to take on Mr. Wonderful Phil Davis. Now, here's the thing. Phil Davis did a lot of talking, trying to get himself a title opportunity against John Jones, but he had to get through Anthony Rumble Johnson, and 
Johnson was not having it. He put the he put an ass whooping on Phil Davis for all three rounds. Really, really great work. Really smart strategy by Anthony Johnson. Really working in all the different uh, aspects of his game, especially since he was out of the sport for so long. You can watch so much tape on somebody, but if you're not seeing him fight consistently, every strategy is going to be a little different. Now, you know, like I said, Anthony Johnson, big. He's a he's a big guy. I'm glad that he finally found uh, some natural some natural weight. And um, you know, it was it was crazy because. Johnson, he came in, tried, tried at 170, tried 185. He just, he just couldn't do it. He finally found a weight that worked for him at 205. He looked really good in there. Uh, no fatigue, very flush. Um, definitely um, stopping Phil Davis's takedowns, and like I said, just a very, very solid performance. And his, his standing jumped incredibly high after. After defeating Mr. Wonderful Phil Davis, Phil Davis, of course, is a guy who everybody felt was going to be champion sooner rather than later. And Anthony Johnson derailed those plans. Now, let's talk about Glover Teixeira and John Jones. First off, John Jones coming out with the uh, with the Baltimore Ravens dance and everything, you know, in Baltimore was pretty cool. It was a little different than than what we're used to with John Jones when he comes out to 50 cent. But it, it was cool. You know, I really like that. Um, his performance against Glover Teixeira really validated why John Jones is considered pound for pound the best fighter in the sport. Now, here's the here's the thing. A lot of people said, oh, Glover Teixeira has good hands. He's going to come in there. He's going to close the distance. And John Jones is going to use his reach to keep the fight at a distance and win that way. But if he gets in close, Glover Teixeira is going to use power shots and he's going to secure the victory and we're going to get a new champion. Now, this is how crazy that fight went, that John Jones, rather than working the distance the entire fight, actually went in and worked close. I'm talking about real close, up against the cage, using a lot of elbows, being in Glover Teixeira's face the entire time. Five rounds of him being in the guy's face, just putting a beating to him. Now, the funny thing is, a lot of people were talking about John Jones and the eye pokes. The funny thing is, when you have a wingspan like John Jones, which is you know, which is ridiculous. He he uses his lead hand to to kind of gauge how much distance he's got. Now the funny thing is, obviously in the sport of mixed martial arts, with the open finger gloves, the eye pokes are gonna happen. The only thing with John Jones is that it's been happening way too often. Middle Easy actually had a, a, a an article about all the times that John Jones has utilized the magical eye poke. Now. The thing is, whether he poked his eye or he didn't poke his eye, he 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 won the fight. He won the fight on the feet. Uh, he had a really solid shoulder lock, which I was I was pretty pretty shocked that they went that that he went into that because that's not something you see every day. Um, the funny thing was after this fight, John Jones went on social media. He clowned Chuck Liddell because Chuck Liddell uh, said some disparaging remarks. He was like, you know, he put up a picture of Chuck Liddell at the UFC event with your mad bro. You know, your man lost you mad. And, um, you know, just John Jones being a, a 26 year old kid. And this is what people fail to realize. I am I am 33 going on 34 next month when you're in your 20s. A lot of times, and you've probably heard this before, when you're in your 20s, you feel invincible. You know, you you can wake up, and you can wake up with three hours of sleep, party, stay up for two days straight, not get sick, whatever the case is. You, you know, you're you're running on a different on a different tank of gas when you're in your 20s. 
once you pass 25 and you start approaching 30, certain things, you know, you wake up, maybe things hurt a little bit, maybe things feel a little weird, you know, maybe you got to go to the doctor a little more than you thought you needed to, et cetera, et cetera. So when you're John Jones and you have everyone telling you, yo, you are the best fighter in the world, you're the most dangerous man on the planet, you're, you're this, you're that. I don't care how humble you are, you start to believe it. And I'm sorry, but John Jones, he is 19 and 1. That one on his record was that no contest for the for the um the 12 to 6 elbows on Matt Hamill. So he's never really lost. That was a no contest. John Jones, let's you know, let's let's be realistic. John Jones for all intents and purposes is undefeated. And when you're 26 years old and you've defeated 19 guys, 19 murderers, some of which are considered the best fighters in the world, it's going to affect you psychologically. If you want people, if you want John Jones to stop talking shit, if you want John Jones to shut his face, here's what you got to do. You have to beat him. In the words of the immortal Ric Flair, to be the man, you have to beat the man. It's as easy as that. There's no there's no middle ground. There's no there's no debating this. It's you want to be top dog, you have to beat the man. Now, when you're looking at the at his opponents, we're not talking about tomato cans. We're not talking about scrubs. We're talking about legitimate hitters. We're talking about guys that are serious business. Glover Teixeira came into this fight with a 22 and 2 record. The guy was a beast going in there. He just, he, he didn't, he couldn't solve the puzzle. He couldn't solve the John Jones puzzle. You know, when you look at, when you look at Alexander Gustafson, another guy took John Jones to the limit, didn't beat him, but took him to the limit, which, which poses a very interesting question, obviously with the rematch, will Gustafson get lucky the second time and de- and dethrone John Jones for Alexander Gustafson. He has a lot on the line because he's got to go in there and beat him decisively. You can't let it go to the judges. We've talked about this. You let a fight go to the judges, you may as well you may as well say you lost. Very very few instances I've seen where the judges give it to the other guy. I, it ha- it does happen. Don't 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 misquote me. It does happen, but at the end of the day, you let it go to the judges, it's going to favor the champ more more often than not, unless you do some real crazy shit. And in John Jones's case, Alexander Gustafson poses probably the biggest threat that's not to say that you know his next opponent uh according to what they're saying the winner of cormier dan henderson is going to get the next shot daniel cormier may have the tools to defeat him but again who knows on any given day anyone can lose but for the last 20 20 times that he's fought well 19 let's let's be real the last 19 times that john jones has fought no one's been able to figure out that puzzle. You're fighting a guy. It's like fighting Dawson from Street Fighter. The guy has incredible reach. He knows how to use the angles. He knows how to use all these different techniques, kicks to the knees, uh, you know, shoulder locks, different types of throws, spinning elbows. There's, there's, there's nothing, you know, and the guy keeps getting better, keeps getting better. Val says that John Jones beats his opponents at their own game more times than not. And that's what really surprised me with this fight. Because like I said, I didn't think he was going to fight Glover Teixeira so close and risk, you know, getting KO'd or being caught with a flash knockout. That was not the case. It was legit. I'm going to surprise the shit out of everybody and fight inside. 
and I, and it was it was it was amazing. It was it was crazy. You know, it's it's gonna it's gonna be. Val says I don't. Th- he's more wrestling grappling. Whoever's coming in is gonna have to have a smorgasbord of techniques. Well, you know what the funny thing is, Cormier Cormier has has great. Uh, he has good stand-up. His wrestling is good, but so is John Jones. At that point, you know, I feel that it's it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be a catch twenty-two. Cranberry Kid says Seth is a better comparison. That would be true, except John Jones doesn't have a big glowing orb, but he does have long-ass limbs. You know what the thing is? It's 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 easy to hate a guy who's incredibly successful. I'll tell you this much: when he came into the sport, very humble, very respectful. But he started learning how to play the game. And that's what happens. Winning changes you. It changes you. Sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. But at the end of the day, it will change you. And in John Jones's case, it has changed him not only by making him a good businessman in terms of how he wants to, to promote himself, but it also just turned him into a into a in, you know into a, a, a great fighter, one of the greats, one of the legends, you know? You want to be a good guy or you want to go home and fuck the prom queen? That's that's really it. Let's let's be realistic. And, and like I said, you're 26 you're 26 years old. Everyone's telling you that you're the most dangerous man walking. Your two brothers play professional football for the NFL. Arthur and and Chandler Jones, I believe Arthur plays for the Ravens and Chandler plays for uh the Patriots or it's the other way around. One plays for the Ravens, one plays for the Patriots. And the fact is the guy comes from from a solid bloodline, great 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 genes in that family, all dangerous guys and it's this is the evolution of the sport. Much like professional wrestling. Gone are the days of just super jack dudes punching and kicking each other and you know using a close a lariat for a finisher. We are in the era of guys who do spinning elbows, axe kicks, you know, guys like like Showtime Anthony Pettis doing doing kicks off the cage like like Vega coming off the wall in Street Fighter. You know, this is this is the stuff. This is the evolution as it unfolds before our eyes. And if these fighters don't step their game up, evolution will pass them by. It's either adapt or evolve or or history will forget you. That's it. I do feel bad, though, at what the UFC did to Tito Ortiz. Uh, how they pretty much just just swept Tito Ortiz's his, his accomplishments under the rug, and that bothers me just because I've said this before, Dana White. Regardless of your personal vendettas, you can't erase the history of mixed martial arts. Just because you hate guys like Tito Ortiz or you hate guys like Ken Shamrock or Frank Shamrock, you cannot forget their contributions to the sport. Same can be said for Fedor. You know, I hate I hate the revisionist history when you're talking about guys like Fedor and, and you know, legends of the sport that have contributed to the sport for the sake of UFC revision, revisionist history. It's the same thing sometimes with, w, when, with WWE when they want to kind of make it seem like nothing else existed outside of, of, the, of Vince McMahon's bubble. Same rules apply, folks. Listen, if, if you want to learn more about MMA and combat sports, do yourselves a favor. Watch old pride fighting videos. Watch old UFC videos, Strike Force, uh, Dream, a lot of great promotions out there that put on tremendous fights, and some that still do. World Series of Fighting, One FC, all solid, uh, solid uh, organizations putting on great fights. As a matter of fact, this weekend, if you got Spike TV, they're gonna have some Muay Thai fights. Uh, it's gonna be the Glory event, and one of my favorite UFC fighters, Pat Barry, will be making his kickboxing return. 
and I am looking forward to that. If, you, if you're not a fan of MMA ground fighting, you don't like Brazilian jiu-jitsu or the wrestling aspect, and you just like uh, the straight striking aspect, do yourselves a favor. Check out Glory this weekend on Spike TV. It is going to be awesome. All right, so let's talk about the other MMA news for the week, of which there are quite a few. Uh, first and foremost, of course, we have to talk fight bonuses. Of course, $50,000 was were, was distributed after the UFC 172 fight. Uh, performance bonus number one went to Chris Beal. And the reason I didn't talk about Chris Beal is because Chris Beal did not fight on the televised card. He fought on the fight on the uh, UFC t- uh, TV card. And let me tell you, this kid, the bell rang, and he delivered an amazing flying knee to secure a knockout victory. It was ridiculous. And the worst part was you couldn't really enjoy it because it was on UFC Fight Pass, but it was ridiculous. You want to see it? Look up Chris Beal knockout at UFC 172. It is insane. The other performance bonus, of course, considering how solid his performance was, went to Joseph Benavides and fight of the night went to Isaac Valley flag and Takanori Gomi. So there you have it. Um, I will say this, like I said, happy that flag and Gomi got fight of the night. Uh, Chris Beal's knee knockout was a problem. That's all I got to say. Uh, besides the glory event, uh, Saturday, we do have Bellator tomorrow, but, uh, the, one of the fighters on the card, MMA is, uh, uh Bellator MMA's bantamweight champion, Eduardo Dantas suffered a head injury. So the promotion had to put together an interim title fight. Uh, Joe Warren will now fight Rafael Silva for an interim bantamweight title, uh, tomorrow night at 9 PM Eastern on spike TV. Also on that card, Andre Koroshev is, ta- uh, Koroshev, excuse me, is taking on Sam Oropesa. Marcos Galvao is also on that card. He's taking on Thomas Vasquez. And also, Liam McGeary is taking on Mike Musatelli for the Summer Series Light Heavyweight Tournament opening round. Of course, the prelims, you can watch those on Spike TV beginning at 7 p.m. So, as I was saying, um, you know, with this past weekend's performance, John Jones is going to be facing Alexander Gustafson next. But we do have to take into consideration there's a couple of guys that are out there. Obviously, the winner of Cormier Henderson is one, but then we got guys like Anthony Johnson who who are who are, who are out there who should still be considered uh, dangerous. You know, Anthony Rumble Johnson, uh, his performance definitely raised his stock, put him on Dana White's radar again. Uh, Phil Davis definitely, after running his mouth the way he did and losing the way he did, I'm sure is in the doghouse for the proverbial future. But as I said, John Jones is his next his next couple of opponents. Like I said, not cans, not scrubs, but legit hitters. Um, Alexander Gustafsson is going to be a great fight. That rematch may actually go down in Sweden, which if it does, is going to be tremendous. Also, like I said. Either Cormier or Hendo are also going to give us a great fight as well. So I got to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, this season of the Ultimate Fighter is actually going on. I haven't been watching it. I haven't been watching it not because I don't think the fights are going to be good. I just I don't feel a neces- I don't feel a a need to to see uh, BJ Penn and Frankie Edgar fight. That's really it. Like I, I, I'm sure the fighters are good, but the coaches, it's just not. It's not enough to get me to want to tune in every week. Plus, my my DVR dance card is is pretty packed. So 
you know, it falls by the wayside. On the contrary, the season I'm looking forward to seeing is going to be the Ultimate Fighter Season 20. Now, the reason for this is this will be an all-female season. And the beauty of this is that the women in this season are not fighting for a contract, but are actually fighting to be champion of that division. Now, here's the crazy thing. The UFC already took some of Invicta's uh, fighters for the show. Uh, Carla Esparza, Alex Chambers, Claudia Gadeja, uh, Felice Herrig, who, I, who I'm a fan of, Beck Hyatt, Emily Kagan, Juliana Lima, uh, Rose Namajunas, who is tremendous, Tacia Torres, Paige Van Zant, and Joanne Calderwood were the fighters that were acquired by Bellator. But uh, they also signed a couple of other fighters that they had come in for tryouts. As I said, it's going to have 16 fighters. There will be no fighting to get into the house. All the fighters will be in the house at the start of the show. Um, it's it's going to be ridiculous. Of course, the women that tried out were trying out for the final eight spots, and it's going to be a crazy season. Like I said, you got a lot of women in the house. Some of them already have pre-existing beefs, especially some of the women from Invicta who don't like each other for a number of reasons. Plus, camaraderie is going to go out the fucking window because you got to take into consideration that the winner of the season will be champion for their division. How crazy is that? We're not fighting for contracts. We're fighting for gold. And I think that's going to make this season very, very interesting. Obviously, the coaches, uh, Anthony Showtime Pettis and El Nino Gilbert Melendez, are going to add a little extra spark to it, considering, obviously, that El Nino is going to have the Diaz brothers with him. And wherever the Diaz brothers are, great TV is sure to follow so be on the lookout for the ultimate fighter season 20 which i believe will be filming in july and will be filming through most of the summer and you'll probably be able to see that this fall in some fight card news ufc fight night 41 is taking place may 31st unfortunately you will not be able to watch that on regular tv as it is a ufc fight pass event that will be happening at the o2 arena in germany the o2 world Ber berlin in germany it's the UFC's first event in Germany since November 2010. But not only that, it is going to be a twofer. You're not only going to get UFC Fight Night 41, but you're also going to get the finale of The Ultimate Fighter Brazil with the main card for that airing on Fox Sports 1. So to recap, of course, like I said, you got the main card on UFC Fight Pass for Fight Night 41. Mark Munoz, Gegard Mousasi is your main event. Your co-main, Francis Carmont, C.B. Dalloway. So that, like I said, will be on UFC Fight Pass. And then the tough Brazil finale will be airing on Fox Sports 1. So make a note of that. In some other Ultimate Fighter season news, of course, Cain uh, Velasquez's brand new challenger is Fabricio Verdum after his very, very impressive performance against Travis Brown. But these guys aren't going to square off in the cage just yet. What they're going to do is Cain Velasquez and Fabricio Verdum will fight at UFC 180, but during uh, up until then, they will be coaching a season of the Ultimate Fighter. It will be the Ultimate Fighter Latin America, which will be taking place prior to UFC 180, so it looks like um, Verdum and Cain Velasquez will be coaches. Obviously, this is huge because it's the UFC's entry into Latin America on a big scale. But not only that, it allows Cain Velasquez to finally develop some personality. I think, um, you know, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of Cain Velasquez. I like him. I think he's a tremendous fighter. But his presence, he's just like, hey, Cain, how do you feel about that fight? 
it, it was it was okay. And um, what do you think about your next opponent? Uh, he's very dangerous, and um, I think I think he's gonna be, he's gonna be very very good. It's gonna be a great match for me. Kane, what do you think about World Peace? Um, I think we have a long way to go. Like like that's that's how it is. He's very very one dimensional, and I think that part of the reason for that is because the UFC doesn't allow him the opportunity to develop a personality and connect with the audience. The UFC goes out of their way to try and push him because he's Mexican. Yes, we can. And, you know, we got the green and white, you know, the the, the red, green, and white Mexican Kane Velasquez shirts and the UFC going out of their way to create this marketing machine for Kane Velasquez. And it's just like, the guy is a fucking dullard. It's not his fault. He's just boring. I, and I and I feel bad because, like I said, I like Kane. He's a dangerous dude. He's a is an exciting fighter to watch. But his presence, his his mainstream appeal is just shit. Hopefully, Fabricio Verdum can bring a little bit more out of him in the in, you know in the season of the Ultimate Fighter they coach. Because again, much like Frankie Edgar and BJ Penn, if if there's no spark, no chemistry to get me to give a shit about the season, I'm just gonna watch the finale. That's it. That's really it. So Tito Ortiz is in the is in the news this week. Of course, we talked about Tito Ortiz a couple of months back. He got popped for the DUI, um, crashed his 2012 Porsche Panamera on the 405 freeway at around 4 a.m. You know he was partying at Playboy Mansion. He he blew a .12 on the breathalyzer. Well, of course, when you're a celebrity, it should come as no surprise that you won't serve any jail time. In Tito's case. He pled not guilty. Um, they agreed to change his plea to a no contest. Uh, the plea agreement is he's going to pay unspecified fines, and he will also have to enroll in an alcohol education program. Shocker there. In addition, of course, 36 months probation. Now, here's the funny thing. Not to make light of, of his situation, but we all know. Once again, money, the best superpower of all. He'll go. He'll do some community service. He won't fuck up. That'll be that swept under the rug. All right, another uh, UFC fight card that is finalized, which I'm very, very excited for, is UFC Fight Night 42. That's going to happen June 7th. The main event, Benson Henderson, Rustam Kabilov, is going to be a tremendous fight. Uh, the main card, Fox Sports 1, 10 p.m. Also on that card, Diego Sanchez and Ross Pearson, which has the makings of being an awesome fight. Also, John Dodson and John Moraga, which I'm sure is a fight that Ben is going to look forward to watching and talking about when he comes back. So there you have it. Be on the lookout. Like I said, UFC Fight Night 42, June 7th, main card on Fox Sports 1. All right, so the last bit of news to wrap things up for this week involves piracy. Now, you're probably asking yourself, Rich, why are you talking about piracy during an MMA segment? Well, allow me, allow me to educate you. So the New York Post here, a uh, local newspaper here in New York City, uh, put out an article that the UFC is suing a guy, 27-year-old Stephen Messina, for $32 million. The guy lives on great, in Great Kill, Staten Island, and what he's been doing is he has uploaded 141 events to file-sharing sites like the Pirate Bay, and he also had a PayPal donation link which he would include in his streams for people to donate money. So the beauty of this was people would donate money because he it allowed him to to get streams out quicker and to improve his equipment. So he legitimately had like a donation button for illegal streaming. 
And what the guy did was he was pretty much thumbing his nose that he gets the best streams going. He gets the best streams out there. And the UFC got hip to the game. He thought that he was doing it anonymously. And uh, that was not the case. The UFC found out his real name and his location and filed the lawsuit. Uh, it's crazy. You know, he he um, you know, he had a paper, a PayPal account, MMA capping fund. And just he was trying to get, like I said, 141 cards out there. Now, let's think about this for a second. 141 cards, uh, pay-per-view cards. So at 60 bucks a pop at a that's correction. Let's 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 do a little math here. So 60 bucks, 141 pay-per-views. That was $8,460 that he stole from the UFC for streaming illegal pay-per-views. You think the UFC would have said, "Yeah, we're going to sue you for for $25,000." Nope. They went in for the kill with $32 million lawsuit. Now, the funny thing is that I think the UFC is doing this for three reasons. Number one, obviously they want to make an example. Number two, the guy was collecting money from people on the web to pirate pay-per-views. Big fucking no-no. And number three, it wasn't just the fact that he was only doing that, but he was releasing these events on that, you know, the Pirate Bay, any torrent site you can think of, the guy had a stream on there. Not the move. As much as you think you are anonymous, you are not. And when it comes to the UFC, these guys are no joke when it comes to that. Now, to to a degree, I think that if the UFC would have adopted the model that WWE did, they would have, you know, paying 10 bucks a month or 15 bucks a month and getting all the pay-per-views, I think that the piracy would decrease quite a bit. I'm sorry to say, but if you're if you're pirating WWE pay-per-views, at this stage of the game, because you don't want to pay ten fucking dollars, you should you should just kill yourself. I'm so, I'm, I'm sorry to say it. You it's ten bucks. The WWE Network is ten dollars, and you get the pay per views basically for free. That's all I'm saying. So I can understand with it. And again, I'm not I'm not advocating piracy. I'm not you know I'm not co-signing to piracy. All I'm saying is that. The with the UFC pay-per-views, you're you're you have the fight pass and then you're paying 60 bucks for the pay-per-view with the WWE. You're getting more value and it's only costing you ten dollars a month. That's all I'm saying. Not that the UFC should follow suit because Dana White thinks that what the WWE is doing is is not the best course of action. But again, you thumb your nose at the organization. You know, if, if you download the occasional pay-per-view. They, they may not look at you. They may not. I'm not I'm not saying that they wouldn't, but they may not as much as the guy that took 140 pay-per-views and was collecting money. Like I said, the amount of pay-per-views that he pirated at $60 a pop was less than less than $8,500. I'm sure that the UFC would probably settle out of court, but an example had to be made. And poor, poor Steven Messina. Ah, oh, man. Poor, uh, poor Messina just... Just didn't he was the guy that ended up being the example in this case. He was the nail and the UFC is the hammer. Of course, once we learn more, I will happily share it with you guys because this is going to be a story that we will be watching for quite a bit because, again, $32 million is not a number that you can easily forget about, ladies and gents. But with that said, that is going to wrap up this week's MMA segment. Let's get into some wrestling because we got to talk TNA Sacrifice. Plus, on top of that, we got to talk Monday Night Raw. So without any further ado, Booker T, take it away. We want the gold, sucker. Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga. We're going out today to get 
So I got to give a shout out to our very own Jay Santee for running the MTR live blog, not only for TNA Sacrifice, which was fucking piss poor to, to a degree, but also, of course, for running the MTR live blog for TNA Impact. Of course, Jay and the MTR team do live blogs every week, usually for Monday Night Raw. Jay handles TNA Impact and pay-per-view duties. And of course, those of us schedule permitting, uh, whether it's myself or Quark or Blade or any of the other MTR faithful, usually join him when we can. But he covered TNA Sacrifice, and I ended up watching the pay-per-view uh, later on in the evening. And um, there weren't a lot of terrible matches, but there were just some things that really, really made me cringe. Now, the opening tag team match, um, you know, for, for the Bromans and Zima Ion against the Wolves was exactly what you would expect from uh, from a, 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 an individual, you know, five very talented individuals. Uh, the Wolves ended up securing the victory and are your new TNA champions, uh, tag team champions. They had a lot of great spots in the match. Zima Ion is a bump machine. Uh, he's come quite a long way from being a complete douchebag in the early days to actually delivering a very, very solid performance alongside Wolves and Richards. Now, it's funny. Jay says, I love not having any readers. Um, Jay, you will be you will be surprised to know that the MTR live blogs, all of them, get quite a bit of traffic. I'm not sure if people are just afraid to comment or they don't know how to get involved, but they are they are being checked out. I mean, as a matter of fact, Monday night, I believe I'd like to say 45 people were had had read the live blog by the time it was over at 11:30. So, you know, if you think that it's a thankless job, Jay, it is not. People are legitimately uh reading them and and looking at them. The only thing is and this is this is something we've talked about at length. Participation people, it is it is essential for all aspects of growth. When we were doing it on the um Facebook fan page, People were complaining because it was too many updates, but we were getting participation. We took it away from Facebook because people weren't seeing all the updates. And now people are complaining that there's, you know, oh, shit. Why does it look like uh, the blog talk radio feed dropped out? Uh, hold on one second. What? Well, it, it's bound to happen somewhere. Clearly, clearly tonight it was... Um, blog talk radio bear with me one second guys while i dial back in to start to start your show now press one. since it appears you're calling back into a live show we are reconnecting you now sorry about that obviously uh blog talk radio decided decided to uh play the role this evening hopefully it'll be the only disconnect we have anyway as i was saying um in jay's case uh talking about the mtr live blog for those of you that want to be involved and want to uh, be involved in the conversation. It's very, very simple. Uh, Jay runs the MTR live blog. It scrolls down the page with updates as it gets updated. And if you guys want to contribute, all you got to do is use the comment section below and Jay can see your comments and respond to them accordingly. But as I was saying, you know, it's, it's a two way street. We're doing the live blogs because we don't want to clog up Facebook. Not only that, but we want to move away from Facebook, but you you guys got to get involved. You know, like I said, it's a two-way street. You guys can't just, oh, you guys aren't doing the stuff on the fan page anymore. And then all of a sudden, we're doing it on the side and everybody takes a fucking back seat. 
I understand Facebook is a wonderful, warm, wet blanket that keeps you comfortable in all its glory with all its updates and memes and bullshit, but it's people get pissed off, you know? And when Quark, Blade, myself, Jay, and Slick were doing Raw, it was, you know, five or ten updates every every you know, every throughout the course of an hour. And people were just like, hey man, you know, it's a lot of updates, blah blah blah. Whatever the case is. And obviously you don't want to ruffle feathers because whatever it's social media and people get fucking offended over everything. But again, we do the MTR live blogs and we want to increase the engagement with you guys, but it's, it's a two way street. So again, we share the live blogs on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Google plus. So if you guys want to participate, all you got to do is tune into the page and use the comment section below. And any of us that are in the live blog are going to see it and we will address it or interact with you accordingly. There you have it. So going through the rest of this sacrifice card, Mr. Anderson took on Samuel Shaw in a committed match. And this was definitely one of the low points of the evening. Uh, No disrespect to Mr. Anderson. I I always feel Mr. Anderson has been a solid hand in TNA, but, but his match with Shaw was just complete shit. I felt that the match itself just lacked any sort of cohesiveness and it it's pretty much the equivalent of an ambulance match, you know, the usual first person to be put in a padded wagon loses the match. It was it was just shit, complete shit. It felt forced together. Um it felt thrown together. It felt forced. And as much as they're trying to get the Samuel Shaw character over, it's just it just doesn't work. Really doesn't. Meanwhile, Willow and Kurt Angle took on Ethan Carter III, EC3, and Rockstar Spud in a match that was surprisingly good with considering some of the players involved. Not to say that, you know, Willow is the king of work rate, but he's he, he definitely could be better. Obviously, I think it's partially Jeff Hardy trying to create a brand new moveset for his Willow character separate from his own, and I can understand that, but, you know, d- don't... Don't don't use pay-per-view as your as your canvas for that. Not only that, but I did feel that Rockstar Spud was the weaker link. I mean, he did play the heel in peril throughout most of that match. EC3, as always, continues to impress in every match he's in. The guy's a, a solid heel, a great worker, and his chemistry with Kurt Angle is fantastic. The match itself, not that great. Like I said, Willow and Rockstar Spud, if it would have just been... EC3 and Kurt Angle, I could have I could have dealt with that. Now, obviously Jay is a huge huge fan of Willow, and I and I say that with much sarcasm. Uh Jay hates the Willow character with a passion. I love reading his live blogs cuz as soon as um Willow comes on TV, it's always something super super negative like, "Oh, this guy's a steaming pile of shit." And you know what it is? Jeff Hardy is incredibly over and I understand he wants to use the Willow character, but when TNA is selling a fucking umbrella, buy your Willow umbrella at tnashop.com. I'm like, really? That's, that's what you're selling people on an umbrella, not the mask or a cool t-shirt. No, buy a Willow umbrella. Definitely not. Definitely not the move. But like I said, EC3 and Kurt Angle were the high points of that match. Um, they did another segment with Nux and his family, which um, is going to be called the Menagerie, according to what we saw on TNA Impact today. Uh, it's going to be him, um, a lady named Rebel, 
guy named Crazy Steve and the Freak. That's going to be Nux's stable. It's pretty much, and I'm sorry to say, and um, tell me if I'm right, Jay. Tell me this doesn't scream Wyatt family to you. Because it really does. I'm like, all right, you got your bearded guy, and he's kind of a weirdo, and you're bringing in a girl to mix things up a bit. Then you're going to have, you know, a crazy Steve and the freak. I'm sure one of them is going to just be some some big lumbering oaf, etc. And, um, you know, it's it's crazy. It's really, really crazy because when they gave the belt to Eric Young, I felt that Eric Young got rewarded for his contributions to the company and it was well-deserved, but as soon as I saw him feuding with, with Dixie Carter and the author, the authority, it really was shades uh, of the Daniel Bryan thing. Now, with Nux and his menagerie, I'm feeling Wyatt Family vibes just poorly executed. Jay says it, um, Wyatt Family with a chick. And it's funny because um, Slick says Sister Abby is alive. Uh, there's a wrestler. Her name is uh, Eva Lise Velez. Uh, she wrestled in WWE NXT as Sophia Cortez. She originally was going to be Sister Abigail in the Wyatt family. She actually posted that on her Facebook fan page. So, uh, very interesting tidbit of information, but it's true. Um, you know, the Wyatt family, very effective. Bray Wyatt continues to deliver amazing promos. Wait until we talk about this week's Raw where Bray Wyatt just brought everything full circle with his amazing, amazing segment with John Cena. But we'll talk about that afterwards. We got to talk about this TNA situation because, you know, you got the menagerie again, Wyatt family with a chick, then, you know, lumberjack Eric Young, who is kind of like Daniel Bryan. You know, it's a lot of things. A lot of things just are jumping out that are way too much like WWE's current product. Now, Jay says, I'm telling you, TNA dumpster dives in WWE's trash bins. It it just, uh, you know, what do you you want me to say? It really does scream Wyatt family with a chick. But let's let's move on. X Division's championship match, uh, the X Division title was on the line. Uh, Sonata and Tigre Uno in a a pretty solid match. There were some moments where the match kind of felt a little disconnected. But again, this goes back to what I was saying before. Your X Division is your is what you're known for, your X-Division talent. And there is such a wealth of great high flyers out there. And as much as I like Sonata, and I think that he's a great asset, not having a manager and the language barrier are a huge, huge problem. I like Tigre Uno as well. I think he's very marketable. Uh, You can do something with him, much like, oh, I don't know, Suicide, a.k.a. Manic, a.k.a. Where the Fuck Is He? Because think about it, you had this guy suicide, you put him in the TNA game, everybody got into the character, you know, the suicide solution was tremendous, and not only that, but you had a lot of great X-Division competitors that played him, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, a lot of different guys were under the suicide mask, but at the end of the day, the suicide character was just, it was something that was unique to TNA because they took a character from the game and they brought him into the organization and it worked and they sold masks and merchandise and all this shit. And all of a sudden the X division was on fire. And then it's like, they took what they were so well known for and they just swept it under the rug. Like, don't get me wrong. You got Sonata, you got TNA, uh, you know, you got Tigre Uno, 
but but you've given up so many great guys. You gave up Christopher Daniels. You gave up Frankie Kazarian. Um, you gave up the Motor City Machine Guns. You gave up Amazing Red. You gave hell. You gave up Curry Man, who was still Christopher Daniels. You gave up Shark Boy. Um, the list goes on of just great competitors that you had for your X division, low key. Uh, like I said, the list goes on, and all of a sudden now it's like your X division is Zima Ion, um, Kenny King, Sonata, and Tigre Uno. It's like where the fuck are the rest of the X division guys? Where the fuck did they all go? It's it's craziness, I tell you, craziness. Now, um, Jay says TJ Perkins needs to take that gimmick and throw it in a, in the fire pit. You know what the thing is? TJ Perkins was making it work, but again, as soon as you remove the mask. You didn't do anything with it. Not only that, but Hogan just rebranding the character. Why? Did, did, did the censors complain about the character being named Suicide? I'm really, really curious as to what happened with the Suicide character. I'd love somebody to tell me why they changed his name to Manic. Like, it's very easy if somebody said, oh, you know, the network complained for X, Y, and Z reason, so we had to do it. But it was just so random. Hogan's like, yeah, brother, you're going to be Manic now. It's like, what? Who? Why? And it just it just took a complete dump. I did want to say for those of you that that were curious when I was talking about all the different X Division guys, you I'm sure you're gonna say, oh, but what about Austin Aries? Austin Aries is beyond the X Division. Austin Aries is main event level material. I'm talking about guys that can bring together a division like that. And I think Austin Aries at this point, he's just so beyond it that it just doesn't work. I mean, I like the concept of of them cashing in the X Division title for a world title shot. I thought that was very, very unique. But you just don't have that. You don't have the talent to make it work anymore. I really hope TNA gets their shit together because you know what? Jeff Jarrett's going to sneak up with his Global Force Wrestling promotion, and who knows? He may take the rug out right out from under them because it was announced that they signed a partnership with AAA. So they're going to be able to get all that Lucha Libre talent on their product. It's ridiculous. Fucking TNA, man. Jay says Austin Aries is CM Punk in waiting. I could see that. I, I could see that Austin Aries in WWE would be ridiculous. But again, you have to let him wrestle his way. And not only that, but he needs to keep the Brain Buster finisher. That Brain Buster finisher makes it work. It is flawless. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, so the I Quit match between James Storm and Gunner was surprisingly decent. It wasn't terrible. The only problem is that Gunner, Gunner is the default wrestling character you create when you're learning how to use the character creator in WWE 2K14. That's what it is. You take a jack dude, you throw some tattoos on him, and it's Gunner. That's it. Throw some wet hair and send him out there. Like, he has just, he's Mr. Intensity. It's like, it's like Mojo Raleigh with a wig and less personality. It's like, all right, you got the cool back tattoo. What else, what else you got? You, ha- you have no real finisher, but yeah... It it just it's weird to me. It's it's weird that you take this guy and Gunner's had a lot of opportunities. He's been on he's been with the organization for a while, but he just never catches on. I don't understand what it is about him that just he comes out, 
he he has the look because again he has the look he does have the look but that's it it's like all right he looks like a wrestler but what else you got now jay says who has worse tattoos gunner or batista batista by far because that belly tattoo man that belly tattoo automatically fucks up batista and gunner's tattoo that back tattoo is an awesome piece now don't get me wrong you know i i have my fair share of tattoos i have no problems with ink but there's just certain guys whose ink is is just a marketing tool for them like brock lesnar's big demon skull on his back that that's his thing you know if you show that picture to anybody you go who is this nine times out of ten they'll be like brock lesnar easy peasy same thing with randy orton it depends like in the old days you'd show that tribal piece that he had on his back and you knew it was him but there's just certain guys whose tattoos are just a part of their personality it's part of who they are like in gunner's case he has this big skull ghost shit on his back and it's like oh that's pretty fucking cool so you would expect that he'd have some really crazy gimmick something dude like something and he's just like hey guys i'm mr intensity i headbutt turnbuckles that's it. Yeah, Lesnar's sword tattoo definitely was was not not a good idea. The Brock Lesnar sword tattoo to this day, I I just I just can't I just can't understand what you know. There's there's inspiration. You know, you look at tattoos, and when you get a tattoo, there's always a story or inspiration behind it. I'd love to ask Brock Lesnar, like, dude, what made you wake up and get a giant sword on your chest? What was it? What, like, what made you decide I want a big sword on my chest? Like, I'd love that answer. You know what the problem is? People are probably too scared to ask him, but I'd, I'd probably be that guy. I'd be like, dude, like, like, what possessed you to get that? Like, you know what? I'd ask Paul Heyman. I'd be like, Paul, you know, you're friends with Brock Lesnar, right? Well, you know, what made your client want to get that big ass sword tattoo on his chest? Could, could, you, could you ask him? Because I just want to know, like... Like I got I got my fair share of tattoos, but every tattoo I have has a story. Every tattoo I have has has something, you know, like if you ask me, "Hey, what'd you get this tattoo for?" I'd be able to tell you. As a matter of fact, this tattoo that I have has a uh, very special story. I got this tattoo when I was 14 years old. 14 years old, I went to the Hut Barbershop here in uh here in Queens, New York. I was 14. I just had all my money from uh, summer youth employment. If you're a New York City kid, you know all about summer youth employment. So I came home and um, a girl I went to school with, she had got a tattoo. And I thought, wow, you know, that's pretty awesome. You know, that's pretty cool that you got a tattoo. So the girl was like, yeah, you know, I got at this place called The Hut. So I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, how'd you, how'd they give you a tattoo? And she was like, oh, my mom went with me and she let me get it. I was like, well, fuck, that's, that's pretty awesome. So I went home, I remember I went home, and I was trying to muster up the courage, you know, I was all fucking pissing vinegar, and my mom, my mom was a, was a hardcore lady, she didn't fuck around, but she gave me a lot of freedoms, she, she was always a, a firm believer in, know what your kids are doing, so that they don't do it behind your back, so, came home, I was like, ma, you know, I want to go get this tattoo, you know, but you gotta come with me, so she was like, well, why don't you go and, and see if if you can get it? She's like, remember, this is for life, you know, so you better think this through. So I thought about it, thought about it. I went, I took, um, 
here in here in my neighborhood we have this thing called uh, dollar cabs at the time you get a cab you pay a buck and it goes you know from one area one area of the avenue straight down to another area they're no longer a dollar but either case in either case took the dollar cab went down there <laughs> that's right dollar cabs cost three dollars that's right slick so i i get over there to the barber shop and the bar- i'm like oh man, you know i want to get a tattoo and the guy goes go down the stairs so i go down the stairs mind you this was at the time an an, an illegal operation downstairs and um <laughs> never in a million years jay never in a million years so i go down there and the guy goes what, what, what do you need man what do you need i'm like oh i want to get a tattoo He's like, how old are you? I'm like, 14. He's like, yo, does your mom know you're here? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, before you get in here and get a tattoo done, your mom's got to come with you. I'm like, all right. So go, I, I take the dollar cab, go back home. I'm like, ma, you got to come with me. Like, my, like, you know, my mom, she was, she was, you know, starting to get sick at that time, but she was like, all right, I'll go with you. So she goes with me. I go in there and I'm, you know, I'm like a kid in a candy store, like an asshole, I pick a piece of, I pick a, a flash off the wall. For those of you that don't know tattoo lingo, flash is the art that's displayed throughout a tattoo parlor that people pick. This is like de facto, regular, run-of-the-mill art, and you pick it, you get it done. There's nothing original about it. It comes out of a book. So I went, I picked, I picked this piece. It, it you know, it was like it was like uh, Mufasa's head from The Lion King. You know, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of the Lion King and of lions. It's a long story. So anyway, so I go, I get this tattoo and, um, when they started doing the tattoo, the needle broke, the needle, the tattoo needle broke in my arm. I kid you not broke in my arm. And, uh, the guy goes, well, cross somebody off the list. So <laughs> the needle broke, they crossed somebody off the list. Cause I guess they had a certain amount of allocated tattoo needles and the guy did the tattoo. He banged it out. It took half hour. Cost me $65. I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Here I am getting ready to go back to school. I go back to school in September. I walk in. I have a tank top on like a true asshole. And I'm like, yeah, look at my fucking tattoo. And I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. You know, my grandmother fucking had a, 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 a panic attack, a heart attack, and any kind of attack that old Puerto Rican women can have. She had, but my mom thought it was pretty cool, you know, whatever the case is. So that was it, ladies and gents. 14 years old, picked the tattoo off a fucking wall. Don't ever do that shit. And again, like I said, the reason I'm sharing this story is because you look at you look at tattoos on these wrestlers and you're curious, like, hey, what made you get that? Like Randy Orton, I know he has a, a rose on his forearm, which is supposed to be for his daughter. Totally understandable. You know, then, you know, every tattoo has a story. So, you know, I ended up, I got tired of the lion head floating around in space, went to another tattoo artist and he threw a body on it and it doesn't look as fucking, you know, as incomplete as it did. I do feel it was a little too low, should have been higher, but whatever. It was, you know, live and learn. As I said, you know, I'd love, I'd love to know like, yo, Brock Lesnar, why do you have, why do you have this thing here? Why do you have that? Like, like, why is that? Like in Batista's case, some of the tattoos, I know he's explained um, I know some are, are for his wife and some are for his daughter. I think he even talked about why he has the, the sun tattoo on his belly button. But either way, it's just like, dude, cover it up. Do something. The Undertaker, <laughs> forget it. Like the, his, his tattoos have stories upon stories. I mean, the best, the best Undertaker. <laughs> 
You know what's funny? Cranberry Kid, when are we going to get a diva with a tramp stamp? You know, it, it's funny because one of the Bella twins, she has uh, tattoos like right over over her box. Like it's weird. Like if you look at her ring gear and the shorts go down a little low, it's you see them. It's like, all right. Well, I, I, as a matter of fact, I, I think it's Brie. I think it's Brie that has those tattoos. Now, Jay brings up a very interesting individual, Scott Steiner. Scott Steiner's tattoo is without a doubt the most unexpected tattoo in wrestling. Like I remember big, I was a, I was a big uh, Steiner, you know, I was a big mark for Scott Steiner. Dude just disappeared, came out, had this giant cross with a heart on his chest. I'm like, what the fuck happened? Like, did you find, did you find God while you were, while you were on the unemployment line? Like where, what the hell went on with that? And that's what I mean. Like I'd love, I'd love an artist or, or even an author to put together a book of just wrestling tattoos and their stories. I guarantee you that everybody would buy it because there's so many unique and interesting tattoos like AJ Lee getting the, uh, the date that she won the divas title tattooed on her neck. You can make fun of it all you want, but you know, it does. It's, it's important to her and it has some significance like CM Punk. He's told a couple of stories about his tattoos. He has some really his old school tattoos. I really like, um, you know, the Cobra logo is really cool, but, um, again, certain guys, their, their tattoos are just way out there. Like Matt Morgan's crazy monster tattoo on his back when it was incomplete, it just looked really shitty. And then he started getting it filled in and it's like, it took, it took the guy forever to get it done. Same thing with MMA fighters. MMA fighters got some really, really crazy tattoos. And, um, you know, like I said, it'd be, it'd be cool to do a book like about that, like with the story, like here's the tattoo in, 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 you know, in high res and then a story about that tattoo. Like, where'd you get it? Why'd you get it? You know, did you get it locally? Did you get it internationally? It'd, it'd be cool to see because there, there's so many dudes who, who have some, cr- like Santino, as much of a clown as Santino is that lion tattoo, he's got the lion head tattoo on his back is ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous. It is it is probably one of the craziest tattoos I've ever seen. But it's 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 insane. And then like you got guys like Hogan who all of a sudden they never had a tattoo on them and now that they're old, they got tattoos everywhere. I it always shocked me though that like Triple H never had any tattoos. Like you would think he'd have like an iron cross and like a pile of bones or or a bunch of skulls or some shit. But <laughs> Jay says Triple H has a Hail Hydra tattoo. You never know. But yeah, I mean, you know, I digress. Anyway, let's go back and talk about this TNA Sacrifice uh, pay-per-view. So, Knockouts Championship match, Madison Rain, Angelina, Angelina Love. I expected this match to be better than it was, and I was extremely disappointed. Um, it really just looked like a lot of hair pulling and rolling around, which really bothers me because neither one of these women are shitty wrestlers on the contrary. Both of them are very, very accomplished wrestlers. And, um, the match just took a complete dump. I was like, Holy shit. Am I watching like a, like a Kelly Kelly divas match? Like what the fuck happened? It just really was excruciatingly bad. Really was excruciatingly bad, but it happens. Hopefully, you know, we'll get some new knockouts in there and maybe we'll start getting some better matches, but Definitely not one of their better outings. So let's let's talk about the what the fuck moment of this pay-per-view. 
Uh, TNA had their tables match. It was Bobby Roode and Bully Ray. Now, Bully Ray, he's been on a tear lately as a heel. Now, all of a sudden, you know, as a face, he's working pretty well. He's kind of feuding with Dixie Carter. So the match is going very, very well, pretty solid. I'm like, all right, there's a lot of great spots. Uh, Bobby Roode is really bringing out the best in Bully Ray. So all of a sudden, somebody hops the railing, and it's like a dude in a beard. But it's not a dude in a beard. It's Dixie Carter in fucking disguise. It was the match was going so fucking well, and and it was just oh, it was shit. It was such shit. Like Dixie Carter in a fucking beard, really? Like like she can't even she can't even be a, a legitimate heel, much less one in disguise. It was so shitty. So, so shitty. And I was, I was really, I was really upset because it's like, yo, the match was pretty good for a tables match. And, um, you know, Bobby Roode is, is Bobby Roode. If he came to WWE, he'd probably be a a solid mid Carter. Who knows? Even a main eventer because the, the guy he's got the, he's got all the tools. He's got the wrestling. He's got the mic work and he looked really good in the match with Bully Ray. And then all of a sudden, like I said, shitville. Complete and utter shitville. I'm like, yo, really? Dixie Carter in a fucking disguise? That's how you end this? Who's writing this? It's like, is Vince Russo back there writing this shit? Because it was it was bad. So bad. But, you know, on the contrary, they redeemed themselves. They did redeem themselves with Eric Young and Magnus because that was a tremendous match. Tremendous match. We got to see a Michinoku driver... And we got to see Eric Young retain with the awesome power driver that he has. Depending on who he executes it on, it looks better on some individuals than others. But it was extremely refreshing to go from that clusterfuck, that colostomy bag of shit that was the tables match to actually have a match with good pro wrestling and no interference, no ref bumps, nothing. Clean. It was clean. From start to finish, it was definitely a good way to to close out a card that for all, you know, it was, it was meh, it was decent, you know, out of a five, I'd give it like a three if I had to, that's, that's kind of where I felt, but like I said, I'm glad Eric Young went over clean, it was good, it validated him as a champion, because I was really worried that they would take the belt right off of him, you know, that it was just like the feel good moment, and then they sweep it under the rug, but they didn't, and I was glad that it went the way it went, like I said, a uh, solid way to close it out and definitely a great way to redeem um you know the, a great way to redeem what went down in that shitty ass tables match which pretty much was the co-main Jay Santi says thank goodness bully ray might be turning heel again you know what the funny thing is i heard that they're keeping bully ray face because when tna does those shows here in new york they want to have a new york local guy that they can cheer for i'm going to try to get out to one of those tna shows uh, that's actually going to be happening the week of Consumer Electronics Week, but maybe I'll get out there and I can get I can get some photos and hopefully get some coverage of one of those TNA shows when they have it at the Hammerstein. Once once I get my schedule in order, maybe I'll get lucky and and I'll check it out. If not, you know, I'm sure I'm sure one of us will go. Either way, uh, obviously, once the schedule is finalized, I will let you guys know. All right, so. Let's talk about Monday Night Raw, which was, holy shit, where where do I begin? Where do I begin? So, 
John Cena opened up Raw, right? Comes out, he's upset, he's sad. Oh, the fans, they hate me, blah, fucking blah. And I'm like, all right, this is going to be typical John Cena promo. He's sad, oh my God, the, the fans, they hate me, et cetera, et cetera. And, and you know what? It's very easy to assume that that was going to be the case. But let me fucking tell you that the music for the Wyatt family hit and it just, the the opening segment went from cookie cutter WWE to to just amazing. It just went to it just went to marquee moment. I'm trying to get it so you guys can check it out because it was oh man, I just I didn't even know what what to say. I saw it, I was just like this is not happening. And when you look at it, the the amount of psychology and storytelling at play in this entire segment was just it it was it was way too good. It was way too good to to not to not really stop and appreciate it because that's what we did everybody i know when i went back to work on on tuesday morning they were like yo that opening segment holy shit but you know what don't take my word for it i want you guys to see this because it was fucking insane it was insane again me talking about it won't do it as much justice as you guys seeing it check this out you guys don't understand. A guy like Bray Wyatt, it won't be long before it's Bray Wyatt versus the world. And at that point, the world's not going to have a chance. See? He's got the whole. So I, it, it's, it's a five minute segment and I can play the whole thing. But th- like I said, it was, it was without a doubt, one of the best openers openers in quite some time. Like the, it's funny because the crowd the, and you know, Jay, Jay touched on this a little bit as well. The crowd was so like, they were confused. They were like, holy shit. Like kids are singing along. All right, let's sing along. And then when the kids, when Bray Wyatt came out, the crowd was just like, what the fuck just happened? Like, it was legit crazy. And and that's, you know. 
I was going to keep playing it. I'll, I'll go back to it in a moment just because I don't want to get um, our friends at uh, GFQ in trouble for this. But as I was saying, you know, when you see that, you're like, wow, you know, like they got the kids and it was just it was just masterful storytelling. And I said to myself, somebody back there in creative is doing their homework. They're really, really doing their homework. They're not only giving us engaging television, but they're really going out of their way to to really show us something different, to show us something unique. And, um, you know, excuse me, when the crowd, when the kids put on the masks, it was just like you knew it was coming. You know, the little boy on, on Bray Wyatt's lap. It was it was just the right amount of crazy, the right amount of creepy that when you saw it, you were like, wow, you know, they don't they 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 just it was such an amazing moment and you know jay says i don't think people understand the true meaning and message to that whole promo and that is exactly right because the message of that promo is that bray wyatt's message is being embraced by john cena's fan base john cena's the you know loved by the kids supported by the children and all of a sudden these kids that that cheered John Cena and and were you know they believed in his message now they're believing in Bray Wyatt's message and it's really just a a a masterful masterful way to do things i felt that the story that was being told in those 5 minutes and 42 seconds was probably the best story going on right now like the Daniel Bryan story is good but the Bray Wyatt story just just based on the on all the psychology that's being involved all the you know all the head games all the promo work it's it's really really refreshing to see and in John Cena's case it keeps him away from the main event but it keeps him engaged with somebody that yeah he may not be a physical powerhouse but he's going to bring out the best not only from from a storytelling standpoint but from a wrestling standpoint you know, Jay says that the kids represent the WWE universe. We love Cena, you know, and then the charisma wore off. And that's exactly it. The amount of story that took place in these five minutes was some of the best storytelling, period. Every aspect of it was just was just great. You know, the 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 symbolism of the children singing, John Cena's mannerisms, Bray Wyatt's just maniacal villainous laugh. It just really brought everything together in in such a neat little bow that I said to myself, it doesn't get any better than this as a wrestling fan. Like these are the moments that we talk about two years from now, three years from now. Hey man, remember remember when Bray Wyatt brought all the kids out there and trip scene out? Like like that's what I'm saying. Like people people they expect sometimes way too much from wrestling. I always feel that wrestling sometimes from you know you gotta sift through it. Like like when you look at this week's episode of Raw, it had a great moment like that, and then the Ric Flair return which I'll discuss just 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 brought it down a couple of pegs. And that's what I mean. You got to pick and choose what you felt were the high points and low points. So our first match was the Usos with Ryback and Curtis Axel, which I knew for a fact was just not going to be. I really felt it. I, you know, I thought it was going to end with some sort of shenanigans, but it didn't. It really didn't. It ended up with the Usos getting a, uh, a clean pin the Usos look really good in that match, and it sets up the inevitable, you know, tag team match, which, of course, was, you know, it did the job, but 
I do feel that Ryback and Curtis Axel, for as much as I dislike their pairing and their really, really shitty entrance music, I do think that together there's something there. It's a throwback to the old school tag teams. You know the old school tag teams? You had the one big powerhouse guy and then the faster, more technical guy. So I do see shades of that in Ryback and Curtis Axel, but you know, the, the Rybaxel nickname and the terrible remix of their music, it's just, it's just complete, excuse me, it's just complete dog shit. I thought that that, that aspect of their, of their union is just extremely lacking. It really is. I think, I think the wrestling is pretty decent, but the overall, the overall presentation for Ryback and Curtis Axel is shit. It really, really is shit. So, Sheamus took on Titus O'Neil in just one of the most uneventful, I'm going to go take a piss break matches that I've seen in quite some time. First of all, you know, Titus O'Neil is all, he, he's coming out there. It's, it's, it's all fire and brimstone. He's got, he's whooping Sheamus's ass. And then all of a sudden bro kick and it's over. And it's like, they're, 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 you know, they're, they're trying to do something with Titus. I don't know what, but it's like. His interaction with Sheamus, it's like, all right, you were whooping his ass, and then all of a sudden, bro kick, and it's over. It's like, it, it almost felt like Super Cena booking with Sheamus. I am not, I'm not big on Sheamus just because I've always felt, no pun intended, that he's a bit vanilla. It's like, oh, I'm Irish, and, I, and I'm a ginger. That's my gimmick. You know, fella. It's like, all right, we got it. You're Irish. We got it. You're a ginger. Thanks. You're incredibly pale. Thanks. What else you got? He's another guy. You know, it's like he's in gunner territory. It's like, all right, you're a big jacked, super pale ginger who's Irish. Great. What else you got? What else you working with? It just, it just, I, I, it felt, it felt incredibly, incredibly just meh. Like, like it really was, it really was meh. But you know, you know, you know what redeemed it? Holy shit. You know what redeemed it? As terrible as it is and as bad as I felt. Man, oh man. Damien Sandow and and Wolverine and Hugh Jackman. Holy shit, could I not contain my laughter because it was so stupid, so far-fetched, and you really felt bad for Sandow, but you know what? I got to commend all parties involved because they really, they really looked like they were having a good time out there, even Damien Sandow. And you know what? When you're a company guy and you do shit like this, they do remember. But you know what? Instead of me telling you about it, you want to see uh, Hugh Jackman and uh, Damien Sandow have themselves a little exchange of uh, superhero proportions? Check this shit out. of magnetism look at his and tights pleased to announce that for the first time the greatest mastermind in cinema is being portrayed by somebody who is actually intelligent wow. I think a superhero get clothes that fit I have come here tonight so that you the inferior insects of the WWE universe can see me in all my greatness 
Insects? <laughs> From Asteroid M? Be quiet, I'm not finished! Look at that pose. <laughs> and I look and see all of you trembling at the sight of me. But then I look in the ring and see a blonde half-wit not trembling because of me, but trembling because he is starstruck. I mean, Dolph, you look ridiculous. Stop shaking. <laughs> he looks really good. You tripped on your cape when you said that, by the way. <laughs> this is not a joke. How are you not laughing when you're Damien Sandow? No. You, or excuse me, Wolverine. You're some kind of a mutant? Is that what you're supposed to be? Dolph, I'm not sure what that makes you, but you're out here acting your hair color as per usual. So <laughs> rad. Silence! Hashtag so, so rad. Tonight, the two of you will meet the same fate. What? What fate? What does that mean? I don't, I don't know. I don't speak jive. I don't know what that yeah. <laughs> that Hot Topic hoodie is fantastic. I'd go to Hot Topic and buy that shit on principle. Tell me what to do. I am Magneto! Did you make your costume, Magneto? Did you make it? Awesome costume, man. First of all, huge Jackman's, uh, his, you know, his, his accent is, is quite amusing. But besides that, seriously, just it's, it, you know, it amuses me that, like, he went out there and he legitimately tried to make that work. Obviously, the movie tie-in was, was nice. It was refreshing. But here's a couple of things. For those of you that really, really felt that that segment took away from, from the program... I ask you, there, how much other terrible shit have we seen? Have we seen on Raw? First of all, Triple H had sex with a dead woman. May I remind you, as a wrestling fan, if you're complaining about a movie tie-in segment with a guy who's a genuine wrestling fan, and the crowd was into it, versus Triple H and Katie Vick. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about, uh, you know, the big boss man being drag, uh, the big boss man dragging the big show on his father's coffin. We could talk about that. We could talk about Mae Young giving birth to a hand. Sure, we could talk about that. We can talk about the gobbledygooker. We can talk about uh, the diva, Divas Gravy Bowl matches. Every time you complain about the rated R sex show, thank you, Jay. Every time you complain about something that's that's innocent and amusing, Val Venus getting his dick cut off. Thank you, Slick Choppy Choppy. That was that was uh that was one of my favorite segments with Kai and Ty. Fantastic. But excuse me. As I was saying, all I saw were people complaining, oh, you know, it's bullshit. Damien Sandow getting buried. Blah blah blah. Listen, it's a movie tie-in. It happens. You take one for the team. It's five minutes of your life. Move the fuck on. 
Donald Trump versus Rosie O'Donnell. Yes, Jay. Holy shit, was that bad. See what I'm saying? Like, we can list off the top of our heads just terrible moments. This wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. It was amusing. You know, it was cool. Nice little movie tie-in. Everybody had a good laugh. Blah, blah, blah. It was, you know, it was it was funny. It was funny. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, Jack Swagger and Antonio Cesaro had their little match, which, of course, ended with shenanigans uh, with uh, Paul Heyman pulling Zeb Coulter's mustache, which was which was pretty cool. Um, it, w- it was probably one of the funnier moments of the evening. And um, we know where this is going. We know where this is going with uh, Zeb Coulter and and Paul Heyman. You know it's going to end with 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 the match, obviously between their clients. Who knows? Maybe one of them will have to leave for a little bit. Maybe it'll be Zeb. Maybe Zeb will get some more real American cohorts to take on Paul Heyman guys. I don't, you know, Paul Heyman's guys. We might go that route. Who knows? It's 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 craziness. Jay says I fucking hate Marks trying to say Barry to everything, and it's true. It's like, yes, is Damian Sandow being underutilized? Absolutely. But the same can be said for Tyson Kidd. The same can be said for Justin Gabriel. The same can be said for Brad Maddox, who's just there taking up space. The same can be said for fuck it. The same the same can be said for um Zach Ryder. Dolph Ziggler. It was it was one of those things where get out of here, slick fucking JTG. JTG is just JTG is doing something. Scrubbing toilets, doing something. He's doing something. But seriously, and 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 I kid I I kid when I say that. JTG's another guy. He's a solid wrestler, even though he lost like the street gimmick and he came out with those terrible rhinestone tights and that terrible rhinestone jacket looking like Michael Jackson with the zipper jacket from the 80s, but whatever. You know, there's a lot of guys that just they don't get to see any TV time for a multitude of reasons. Number one, you gotta plug the app. 16 times you got to plug the network 12 times you got to recap what happened 20 20 minutes ago 10 times and these are moments that are that you know that, that that are missing you know that that a wrestler is missing time on television but again for every Zack Ryder that doesn't get pushed you get a bad news Barrett or you get an Antonio Cesaro you get something you know if for every for every shitty guy that doesn't get his five minutes on TV you get a decent Divas match with Paige and some of the other Divas. You get that. For every shitty Santino segment, you get a John Cena and Bray Wyatt segment. You know? That's that's just how it is. Like, you have to understand. And don't get me wrong. I come on air and I shit on the product, but but it's it's all part of this. You know, it's all it's all for show. When Raw comes on Monday nights, the first time I watch it, I kid you not. The first time I watch Raw, I watch it as a fan. I watch it as a fan, and those of you that are on on our Facebook fan page, you know that sometimes I'll share pictures or videos as I'm watching Raw of, like, what the fuck is happening. But at the end of the day, the first time I watch Raw on Monday nights, I watch it as a fan. Wednesday nights, when I re-watch it for, for stuff for the show, it's I watch it as work. You know, I watch it as a job. So it's a little different, you know, and, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, always try to, to, to enjoy the product. Don't spend too much time overanalyzing it, because when you do, you're going to see so many things wrong with the product that it's just going to make you hate it. And you're going to need to take a break from wrestling. 
I I've been at that stage. I've had I, there was a a stage during the the early '90s where I just stopped watching wrestling. I remember I think I used to watch Shotgun Saturday Night, and then I stopped watching that. And then I stopped watching Raw when they moved Raw. I believe they moved it to the national network, and I didn't have it on my cable provider at the time. Just just craziness, you know what I mean? And and that's what happens. That it 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 goes that route. And and you know I want to take what Jay just said. Jay said in the chat. Not everyone is built to be a fucking main eventer. This is true. It's the same thing with with with, with us as human beings. Not everyone's meant to be president. Not everyone's meant to be a, a leader. Not everyone's meant to be uh you know a super athlete. Not every there's there's leaders, there's followers, there's wolves, there's sheep. It's just how it is. Don't take it the wrong way, people. Please don't. But understand, there's there's a there's an order of things. You got the top of the food chain, the middle of the food chain, and the bottom of the food chain. And your job, whether it's as a human being or as a wrestler, is to do something that makes you stand out, that makes you head and shoulders above the rest. Uh, Jim Ross, in, in, in his Ross Report podcast, as well as on his blog, he says, and I quote, the opportunities are there use them think about it you don't have cm punk who's a guy that took up a lot of tv time you don't have the undertaker you're not gonna have batista you you know you don't have those guys you don't have a a cavalcade of main eventers there are spots and you need to do three things entertain have good mic work and 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 good wrestling if you have two out of the three the third will come. Simple as that. Look at Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler's mic work improved gradually. Because when he had Vicky Guerrero with him, Vicky Guerrero shouldered a lot of that. And then as Dolph Ziggler became comfortable in his own skin and better on the mic, he didn't need Vicky anymore. And Dolph became who he is today. It, 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 you know, it wasn't that long ago Dolph Ziggler was part of the Spirit Squad. It wasn't that long ago that Dolph Ziggler was Kerwin White's caddy. And if you remember, Kerwin White was Chavo Guerrero's white guy gimmick. So before you go and, and you talk about guys being buried or whatever, first of all, educate yourselves on being buried. You know, when a guy gets buried, it's a guy that's super deserving and just gets obliterated by creative. And a great example. Triple H goes out, he, he breaks he breaks character with the rest of the of the click members, then he's relegated to having matches with Henry Godwin with the slot bucket. And every time they had a match, Triple H would get the slot bucket. It was embarrassing. It was you know, it did nothing for his character. He got squashed by the ultimate warrior at one point. And this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm talking about. You have you you know, you pay your dues. Danny DeMonto, who, who was our, our guest um, for episode 224, he put up a, a, an intro. It was a picture. It was a meme. And it said, I've been rest. This is my third wrestling show. Why do I have to help set up the ring? I've paid my dues. And it's like he said, and I quote, you're never done paying your dues. And it's funny because I got to tell that to wrestling fans. We pay our dues, too, as wrestling fans. And when you and when you hear that, you're probably like. 
you're probably like, what the fuck is Rich talking about? Paying your dues. We pay our dues. You want to know why? Because we sit through shitty angles, terrible matches, bad stories. But we sit through though we sit through those moments so we can enjoy the Iron Man matches, the amazing moments, the awesome WrestleManias, being being at, being there for those historic moments. You know, being at Madison Square Garden when Triple H came back from the torn quad and being part of that crowd that cheered him on and and just rattled Madison Madison Square Garden or being in the arena in New Orleans when Daniel Bryan ho- hoisted that belt above his head with the confetti raining down. That's what I'm saying. That's paying your dues as a fan because you sit through all the bullshit segments, all the all the ridiculousness, all the spoilers, all the rumors. And you're a fan. You're there. You believe what you're seeing. And that's what I that's what I mean. We pay our dues too. Don't think that just because you read a couple of articles on the web and and you write on a couple of message boards that you're an a know-it-all, that you're a pundit. Because you're not. You're a fan like the rest of us. That's it. You know, I, I enjoy the art form and the theatricality of professional wrestling. From, from the independent guys that bust their ass in your local gym to, to the guys you watch on pay-per-view every week, it's all, it's all part of paying your dues for, for, for the wrestlers, but also for the fans. Pay your dues. Go out there and catch a local show. Spend $10 and sit in a gym and watch, watch a couple of wrestlers who you never heard of. Because I guarantee you, those guys that you never heard of, they will come up to you after that match is over. Or when that when the card is finished, and they will say, "Thank you." You know they they'll appreciate you being there. They'll thank you for that. They'll tell you, "Hey, you know, did you like my match? What'd you think? What you know? What and and you and that's an opportunity for you to connect with a guy who you knows who who knows maybe he'll make it, and you can say, "Oh shit, you know that guy. I spoke to that guy, like." Here's a great example. Xavier Woods. You've seen Xavier Woods on TV with R-Truth. Xavier Woods was one of the first guests on My Take Radio. He was one of the first, first guests. He was Consequences Creed in TNA. He came on the show. He hung out with us. He stayed almost the entire show. Then he found out that we um, we had a good relationship with the crew at OC Remix, and the guys from OC Remix were wrestling fans. He came back. He hung out with us. We shot the shit. And again, when he got signed, when he got signed by WWE, I remember I messaged him on Xbox Live and I said, hey, man, you know, congrats. Um, It looks like like this is it. He's like, yeah, man, you know, I'm not going to be able to do the show anymore because, you know, WWE doesn't want us to do that. And I was like, hey, man, you know, it was cool. It was a great ride. And he was like, yeah, man, you know, good luck. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. You know, thanks for giving me a chance to to talk to the dudes from OC Remix, you know, it was really cool. I appreciate it. And that's what I'm saying. You look back on it and you say, wow, you know, that was a guy who, if he main events WrestleMania five years from now, you say, hey, I remember that dude. He was super chill, really nice. And this is what I mean, you know. You 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 guys don't be overly critical all the time. Like I said, I have a right, you know, I don't even have a right. I'm critical because it's part of my job, but... When I shut these monitors off and I shut this camera off, I sit in front of that TV like a bona fide fan. I enjoy the product. I watch 
I watch hours and hours of the WWE Network. I go on the treadmill in the gym, and I make sure to have my phone with me. I put on the WWE Network. I watch old matches. I remember and reminisce about all those times. I remember watching Bret Hart and Owen Hart wrestle at Madison Square Garden. I was in the nosebleed seats with my brother. My brother bought me a diesel glove. He bought me a diesel glove, I, which I which I found actually. It's somewhere in, now. It's somewhere in my house. Where it wherever it is, if I find it, maybe I'll give it away to one of you guys. But yeah, it was a diesel glove, and he bought me WWE music on cassette. It was a white cassette with the old WWF logo, and it had Razor Ramon's music, Diesel, I think Savio Vega, and a couple of others. And and, it, and that's what I'm saying. Like those are the moments I remember. You know what I mean? And that's what I appreciate. You know, Jay Jay covers a lot of independent. Uh, he covers a lot of independent shows for for us, but also on his own. And he'll tell you, he'll tell you that he knows a lot of these wrestlers. Some on a first name basis. You know, some of them, some of them know his kid. You know, his daughter. You know, his wife. Him. They come up. Hey, man, what's up after the show? Jay can attest to that. Slick went to an indie sh- to a, to a show at House of Glory with me and John Blade. And, um, and my wife and slick will tell you it was, it was the craziest night. Cause it was like, you were right there. You were in the thick of it. You got to meet all the guys after the show was over. You know, it's fantastic. I mean, one of, one of my best memories of doing this job was, uh, doing visit, doing a house of glory show, covering the show, you know, helping the guys break down the ring and taking bumps in the uncovered ring with no boards. I remember that I remember that red, you know, the amazing red, he um we took the the uh the tarp off the ring and under the ring there there's a whole bunch of boards and he was like, "Oh, we're going to show you, you know, we're going to talk we're going to take bumps, you know." So he was like, "Rich, you want to take a bump?" And I took a bump and I ended up taking a second bump. I think I took 3 bumps total. And I really my respect for the craft it just it changed so so much. So much because I realized, you know, you come in here, you got to learn so many different things, how to take a bump, how to take a bump, how to sell a punch. And everything goes back to the fundamentals of learning that one bump. That's all I'm saying. So, you know, before we wrap up raw this week and get into the other wrestling news again, do yourselves a favor, you know, learn as much about the, the, the sport of professional wrestling as possible You'll end up enjoying it more. And who knows? You may find some guys that you're a fan of that nobody knows about. You know, when I talk to people about Hayabusa, uh, Jinsei Shinzaki, uh, Mr. Ganosuke, people are like, who? And I'm like, oh, you got to look up FMW and see some of those matches. So you can see Hayabusa, the Flaming Phoenix, and you could see those matches. Jinsei Shinzaki, I got to tell people, he used to be Hakushi in the WWE. Him and um, Hayabusa had an awesome match with a Rob Van Dam and Sabu. Like I got to, you know, and I like that because people be like, Oh, you know, I'm going to check that out. And then when they do, they come back and they're like, Oh man, that's some hardcore shit. You know, Jay says best mark out moment for me doing a stand up promo with Jay lethal during a hog show. Jay cut a raging promo. Fucking awesome. You know, it was, it was, it's, it's crazy. And this is what I'm saying. Like moments like that, they, they resonate with you. You know, it's not, it's not just about, who got buried and this segment was shit and this match was five stars or four stars because you know what if you watch all the old wrestling that you were a fan of when you were a kid nine times out of ten half of those matches two star matches if you want to get crazy 
maybe three star matches. You, you, you're going to tell me that Hulk Hogan had a five star match with earthquake and typhoon. Are you serious? You know, or the killer bees had a, had a tremendous match with demolition. No, no, it didn't happen. I'm sorry, but it didn't. Or do you think that nails N A I L Z had a great match with the big boss man, or maybe the big boss man and the Mountie had amazing matches. What about Jean-Pierre Lafitte, the pirate and all his terrible fucking matches. And the list goes on and on again. I cannot stress enough. Do yourselves a favor. Educate yourselves on wrestling. Use the WWE network. Watch other organizations. There's more out there than WWE. There's ring of honor, Chikara, there's, you know, $5 wrestling, backyard wrestling, the independence. There's so much out there. Just just educate yourselves, please. Don't think that everything is about being a mark or a face or a heel or, or you know, all the insider terms that you learn on the web. Here's a term that matters most. Be a fan. That's all I'm saying. Pro Wrestling Gorilla, definitely. Uh, you know, Jersey Jersey Pro Wrestling. Lots Lots of great feds out there, guys. Just... Again, YouTube is your friend. Anyway, so Cody Rhodes took on Alberto Del Rio in a match that pretty much is just continuing to lay the groundwork for the inevitable breakup between the Rhodes brothers. But, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Like I said, very academic, very, very, you know, very paint by numbers just because Alberto Del Rio is Alberto Del Rio and because you can see from a mile away where these matches are going. It's just to set up the inevitable breakup. Rusev took on Xavier Woods in a match which, again, serves the purpose of angle advancement. Of course, the ravishing Russian was there to have Rusev administer a first-class ass-whooping to one Xavier Woods, but the match didn't go all the way because obviously R-Truth got involved and all hell broke loose. Now, of course, like I said before, talking about the critical parts of wrestling, 3MB and Los Matadores was... As usual, shit. The thing that amused me was that, you know, this is all building up to the match between El Torito and, you know, poor Hornswoggle. And at that point, it's just, it's just bullshit. It really is just complete and utter bullshit. But we did get Stephanie McMahon in full-on condescending heel mode, um, apologizing to Daniel Bryan and, of course, giving Brie Bella a Divas Championship match against Paige, which ended with Kane pretty much coming out from under the ring, trying to invite Brie Bella to his rape party that was going on in Hornswoggle's house under the ring. Couple of things. First off, that entire segment was so awkward because, Brie Bella, you are an accomplished wrestler. Accomplished, being in quotes here. You know what I'm saying? Like you fight other women. That's what you do. And you're like, you're like shitting your pants because of Kane. I understand you're supposed to convey fear, but at least learn how to convey it convincingly. Besides the fact that Kane is trying to pull you under the ring, kick that motherfucker in the face. Like it's, it's crazy. Like the way that they're doing it, it's like, oh my God, I'm screaming. I'm, I'm scared. And it's like, but you just fought. Like five minutes ago, didn't you get super kicked in the face by Tamina and you finished the match? Like, 
like where like i understand you got to have some sort of of you got to suspend some disbelief but holy shit was that segment bad and i can't even blame kane because kane is supposed to be you know this monstrous individual but it's like he 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 he, he carves a hole out he comes out of the ring he's drag he's trying to drag her away it just it just looked like a scene from a bad horror movie and it did not work it did not work i did like you know what we were seeing from page page definitely looking very very aggressive in her ring work and it was good the crowd was into it every time she let out her primal scream the crowd was into it and it you know it was coming together it was coming together but that segment with fucking kane holy shit was it bad it was it was really really bad i'm trying to see if i can find it because i want you guys to see how utterly fucking cringeworthy it was because it really really was just just super bad ah here we go i think it's titled as the divas match but i think we actually can see the highlights of it let me see if we can pull it up So there goes the Brie Bella ass whooping. A couple of knees to the midsection from Paige. And it's a short time to make a men's run to Olive Branch and give Brie a title match. Oh, come on. Stephanie came out here and asked Daniel Bryan, first of all, to come out to the ring and so that she could apologize face to face. When Daniel wouldn't do that, suddenly this match became or came about. Oh, thanks to Stephanie. All right, let's, let's speed this up a bit. There should be a game where you drink shots every time they say the demon. Take a shot. Like, why wouldn't she kick him in the face? Oh my God, Kane's gonna pull it out of that hole. Like, kick her with the, kick him with the free leg. Daniel, help her! He's trying. Bree, get out of there! Why would you not run away? Why would you not get up and run away? Oh, I'm so scared. But I thought you were in Bree mode. What happened? Oh look. I'm going to drag you back to my basement abode. Come on, let's go. He's going to drag her back down into... Oh! Nothing ends a fight like a wrench to the face, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, look. Zombie sit-up. We knew that was coming. And we get back in the ring again, even though he told you to run. Why wouldn't you hit him in the foot with the wrench? Or in the leg? No? I'm going to drag you back. Let's go back. Hornswoggle said he has pie in the basement. There you go. Run for your life. 
Yeah. See what I mean? Like, it was just so laughably bad. Laughably fucking bad. Slick, Paige's scream is more manly than Brock Lesnar's. <laughs> oh, shit. Jay, Kane just wanted to show Bree his little red monster. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, nice work, guys. Nice work. But seriously, it's 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 ridiculous. It, it really was like it, it took a turn into into borderline comedic territory because it was just so 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 bad. Rob Van Dam and Bad News Barrett squared off. Of course, this was for the slot for the IC title tournament. Of course, you knew it was going to end with shenanigans, which it did. Uh, Rolling Thunder spot by Rob Van Dam ended with Cesaro. Uh, excuse me, rolling the Rolling Thunder spot ended. Rob Van Dam was going to finish Bad News Barrett off with his five-star frog splash. Cesaro ran out. He got a kick for his troubles. RVD went for the frog splash, ended up eating a knee, uh, ended up eating the double knees, at which point when he was recovering, he ended up getting cracked by the bull hammer elbow. And just like that, ladies and gents, that was over, and Bad News Barrett goes on to challenge Big E Langston at the pay-per-view definitely a solid solid ending i felt that it was it was pretty good and it was enough of an ending to not make rvd look weak i had no problem with that whatsoever on the contrary i think that every aspect of the match was really really well put together and not only that like i said rob van dam did not look weak because there were shenanigans afoot so overall definitely a solid ending Uh, The right guy went over in that match with Bad News Barrett getting the opportunity. And um, like I said, the losses won't hurt a guy like Rob Van Dam because it's, you know, it's part part of the process. That's all I'm saying. It didn't hurt him. And it it was a good match. I think think there was a lot of great chemistry in that match. It went well. And I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. So, of course, our final match of the evening, uh, Randy Orton and Roman Reigns. We knew that... The Shield were going to square off probably individually with uh, Evolution leading up to the pay-per-view. Surprisingly enough, they ended up just going with the match between Roman and Randy Orton instead, you know, of letting each of the guys square off. Well, we all knew that Roman Reigns was going to be the guy that was going to get the opportunity based on the fact that he's the guy that they are expecting to be the breakout star. Overall, from what I saw in the match, it was it was a pretty solid match. It wasn't it wasn't utterly terrible. I do feel that, you know, it could have it could have been a better match. But we saw we saw we definitely saw something. Again, I stand by what I said before about Roman Reigns carrying people in matches. I don't think he's ready for that. I think it's all about um working with the guys for extended periods of time. And what I'm saying is Roman Reigns is good in a match that's three minutes long. Once you go past that three-minute cutoff point, you start seeing you start seeing more. I kind of want to say you start seeing less of what you'd expect from Roman Reigns and more of the typical big guy offense, meaning punch, kick, punch, kick, punch, kick, and you know, big spot, big spot, and then Superman punch, and you know, as academic as academic could be. Not to say that it's a bad thing, but just Roman Reigns hasn't really developed all the tools to carry a match 
by himself. Not yet. Obviously, the the DQ ending is to be expected. Um, uh, you know, the Shield stood tall to close things out like bosses. You know, with the fist. You know, and it, it was it was funny because the Shield promo that happened earlier on in the evening was surprisingly good. But it was it was the Ric Flair the Ric Flair promo before the match that really just it, it had me like really looking at the screen. I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Like it was that kind of a promo. But you know what? I want you guys to see it because it is so weird. So, so I don't even want to say complex because they're even it's not even complex. It was just I don't know, man. It, it just seemed I, I, I'm like, oh, is he fucked up? Like, it just seems so strange. But don't take my word for it. Check this out, because it was it was weird. The Nature Boy. 16-time world champion, styling and profiling. So here we go. Looks better than ever. Really, JBL? I can see his skull through his hair. Is this St. Louis, Missouri? Have I ever been here before? Well, I have, and I've had a lot of fun, thank you. But what I'm here tonight is to tell the whole world that it's great being in the ring. I like Batista's suit from the Steve Harvey collection. what this business is all about. Dominance! Now, I ran for years with the four horses. Ran up and down the road. We ran wild. But we controlled the marketplace. We styled. Woo! And we profiled. The same can be said for evolution. Good Lord, Dave. I miss seeing you out on Saturday night. <laughs> you too, buddy. You were always home eating a ribeye. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> you know, in my years on the road, I have seen everything come full circle. And I mean the word greatness come full circle. And tonight, I'm surrounded with superstars that exemplify power, style, and grace. But what I'm talking about now is 
The Shield. You know, Seth Rollins was marking out right there. He just double cross evolution. Wait a with a promo? He double crossed him with a promo. Did he? Did he offer his endorsement to the Shield? Did he? Because what I got from that promo was that the Shield are the future and evolution was the past. That's what I got. You know, it's like, Triple H, you were home eating a ribeye. Was the ribeye code for, like, Stephanie McMahon? It's 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 crazy. It's crazy. You know, it was <laughs> Jay says I think Flair thought he was shaking hands with the NWO. Like they, like it was just so so fucking weird. And then he's like Rick Flair double crossed Evolution. I'm like why? Cuz he said that the Shield of the future. How's that a double cross? And then he winked at Evolution. So it's like is he is he is Flair being Flair or was it just a fucking incoherent rambling of a crazy old man? Who knows? I tell you this much. Next season of Legends House, Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan need to live under the same roof. The amount of insanity that would unfold, it would be would be insane. It would it would be ridiculous. Flair and Hogan living in the same house with a couple of other legends. I would put Flair, Hogan, the Iron Sheik, uh Brutus the Barber Beefcake, because that's Hogan's lackey. Um, Pat Patterson, Dusty Rhodes, oh yeah, and the Sarge, absolutely, like right there, you, that, that has the makings of amazing fucking television, amazing, amazing, I, fuck, I'd throw Jake the Snake in there too if I wanted to, or DDP, just because, like I said, there's, like Ric Flair, here's the, here's the thing with Ric Flair, he has a lot to offer the business, but at this point, it's not it's not coming out there and cutting promos. It's it's behind the scenes, like working with young talent, helping them be better. Not Ric Flair coming out and being a shadow of his former self. It's it just doesn't work. It doesn't does it just doesn't work for me. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, let's get into the other wrestling news for the week. There are definitely quite a few that we wanted to discuss. As always, My Take Radio's wrestling segment is brought to you by WWEShop.com. Use our promo code WWESAVE10 on orders of $70 or more to save 10 bucks on your order. All right, so let's get into the wrestling news for this week. So we've been talking about on and off about the television rights for WWE programming. Now, we all know that pay-per-view has pretty much dropped... I mean, cable providers have pretty much dropped WWE pay-per-views going forward. Um, Those cable providers that have kept the WWE pay-per-views, I I guess they just realize that it's better to deal with the devil you do know than the devil you don't. But the majority of cable providers have pretty much kind of been at odds with WWE, which makes negotiations very, very interesting. Now, of course, over the last couple of episodes, we've talked about different suitors 
for WWE's television rights, including TNT, Spike TV, USA, Fox Sports 1, which came in and out, WGN, a couple of different other networks that have come and gone. But it looks like USA is going to be the winner in the television negotiations because USA is looking to build around WWE Raw. And not for nothing, I think USA has done a great job with it. Their programming before and after Raw are always good lead-ins. They allow WWE to overrun as much as possible. I remember there was one episode of Raw that went into like almost 11.30. That's a half hour over. And then as soon as Raw was over, they jumped into whatever, CSI or Chrisley Knows Best, whatever rerun they were they were going to do, they jumped right into it, and that was it. I always feel that USA's relationship with WWE has always been one that is of mutual benefit, but not only that, it's a relationship that really gives WWE the opportunity to kind of run the show. Like, Monday nights on USA belong to Vince McMahon. They do everything, the Hall of Fame, different, you know, different bits of programming, they tie in different WWE movie trailers, whatever the case is, but USA has always been a solid partner for WWE. Now, of course, they could jump to Spike TV, they could jump to Fox Sports, but I've always felt USA, just it just works with WWE programming. Now, of course, you can send you can send them to Spike TV or you can send them wherever, but I just feel that USA is the the de facto home and if it turns out to be the case, I'm sure it'll be a relationship that will last for quite some time because USA will definitely uh try to maximize their relationship. You got to remember, USA has profited over a billion dollars over the past 2 years, a billion. So with that said, they're, they're not going to just turn around and let their cash cow walk away. That's all I'm saying. As for uh, cable providers not providing WWE pay-per-views, well, the list is growing every month. Uh, DirecTV and Dish, we know about that. Well, a new player has joined that list, and that is AT&T U-verse. If you have AT&T U-verse and you want to watch WWE pay-per-views, take your 10 bucks and get the network. That way you can watch the pay-per-views for basically free. So there you have it. AT&T U-verse joins DirecTV and Dish as being cable providers that are no longer covering or no longer offering WWE pay-per-views. While we're on the subject of the WWE app, if you are an Xbox One owner, you'll be pleased to know that you can now watch WWE on your Xbox One as the WWE Network launched this week. I actually installed it. I didn't get to check it out yet, but I'm going to try and capture some video just to check out the interface and see where it differs from Xbox Live and PlayStation 3. So, I mean, from Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, because there are definitely differences. We shall see if um, it's going to be any different with regards to that. Um, I will say this. I think Xbox One, with regards to how they deliver their content, it's it's definitely a step in the right direction. I haven't utilized all the multimedia capabilities of the console yet, but I do feel that um, what they've been showing so far does show, uh, you know, it gives us a glimpse as to what we can look forward to, and I want to discuss that in the gaming segment, uh, the gaming and tech segment a little bit, but I will say that it's good to see the network make the jump to next gen, 
and I am sure that Xbox One owners will be very happy to have WWE on their consoles. So we got to talk about some roster purges, and we also got to talk about some rumored signings. Uh, first up on the rumored signing front, it looks like uh, Kenta Kobayashi from Noah may be making the jump to WWE. They say that he had his final his final appearance is going to be May seventeenth. And that it looks like he may be going to WWE. Now, with regards to that, I do have to say that that particular, you know, Japanese wrestlers, um, well, Asian wrestlers in general, I just feel that they always get saddled with the stereotype, the stereotypical gimmicks, and they just never gain a foothold with North American, you know, with U- with U.S. audiences. Now, you know, when you look at guys like I, like I was talking about earlier, like Kai and Tai and Taka Michinoku, they always get put into like comedy gimmicks. There's never like a serious Asian wrestler who's going to fuck shit up. You know, Kenta, Kenta Kobayashi, he, he can come in there and he can probably deliver some solid matches with some of the talent that are there, especially those that are well-versed in strong style. But I do feel that I, you know, you're going to bring a guy in with, with the, with the, you know, with, with the recognition of a, of a Kenta and you're not, you know, of, of Kenta Kobayashi, and you're not going to utilize him effectively. Because like I always say, you bring in the, the Asian wrestlers, you bring in the foreign wrestlers, it's a no-brainer that racial overcoats will be the name of the game. Talk about this all the time. You know, you bring in the Russian wrestlers, all of a sudden they got to come out with the Russian music, and they got to speak in Russian, and, you know, it, it, that's just how it is. Like, it, don't get me wrong. Alexander Rusev is a is a great character thus far. His his you know his presence and the way he looks is great, but it's the typical foreign heel, something that's you know it's it's the easy crutch. Like I say, Jinder Mahal, he's got to come out with the turban just to remind you that he is Indian. In Kenta's case, he's got to come out and perhaps speak with a thick Asian accent, maybe not speak English at all. Who knows? And these are the things that that bother me with the product. I think a guy like Kenta can come in there and have tremendous matches. But in terms of being a character, I just feel that there's no, you know, there's there's no upside for him coming to the WWE. I mean, if you want to see an amazing match, look up Kenta and Brian Danielson, of course, for those of you that are not familiar with Brian Danielson, you may know him as Daniel Bryan, but definitely look up Kenta and and Brian Danielson and you will see some tremendous tremendous wrestling. So, as I said, rumored signings and rumored departures. Now, according to pwinsider.com, the following individuals were released from their contracts. Uh first up, Mason Ryan. Mason Ryan, I'm not shocked got released because why keep fake Batista when real Batista is back on TV? Now, if Dixie Carter were smart, she would book him in TNA as like Bob Batista or Sam Batista or something terrible. Just because it's, it's it, you know, TNA is already digging in WWE's trash as it is. You might as well bring Mason Ryan over and make him your Batista. Why not put him with Rob? T- Holy shit, with Rob Terry. Jay, does Rob Terry still have a job? I haven't seen Rob Terry on TV in fucking years. It feels like years. Rob Terry still has a job? Holy shit. Oh my God. Rob Terry, Mason Ryan, and the Dude Bros should all form a stable. 
with Zima Ion. Yes. Just put all four of those fucking guys together. Ah, he is injured. Yeah, so Mason Ryan got the boot. Shaw Guerrero, which is the daughter of uh, Vicky Guerrero and Eddie Guerrero, she got released. Oliver Gray and Danny Birch. Now, of course, Mason Ryan was on TV as part of the new Nexus. Afterwards, uh, he, he returned to NXT. He had a match with Tyson Kidd, and he was on the losing end of that. Uh, Shaw Guerrero, this is her second go-around in developmental, and she hasn't been used on TV since her return. Ah, uh, boss, Rob Terry. What about Rob Terry? Go ahead, Jay. <laughs> Rob Terry will be the freak. You think? Oh, with the menagerie? You think? I thought they were going to bring in a different guy for that. Really? Huh. Interesting. Jay says that Rob Terry's going to be the, the character of the freak in Nux's new stable. He's wearing a mask. Oh, get the fuck out of here. Really, Jay? Oh, that's going to be such shit. Anyway, so I can't because if we get into that, it's going to be. Yeah, Rob, Rob Terry, Rob Terry in a mask definitely deserves. Yeah, Rob Terry in a mask doing anything deserves that. But seriously, it's, it's crazy that. Shaw Guerrero, she came in, went through her second tour, is out. Oliver Gray um, was a British talent. He was in a tag team with Adrian Neville, and um, he came back from knee injury, gone. And Danny Birch was another British guy. He was on, he got signed, I think, in 2011, and he was never given a regular role. Another individual who was released, but this person asked for her release, was Sarah Backman. I mean, Sarah Blackman, excuse me. If you guys remember, Sarah Blackman was signed uh, last year and she was an arm wrestling champion from Sweden. She actually requested her release and was granted it. So she joins, you know, the, the individuals I just mentioned. And it's weird because I really thought that, you know, you bring this chick in. She's legitimately a tough chick and you'd get her on TV right away. But I guess that was not the case. Well. I will say this by eliminating the, you know, we all know that after WrestleMania, there's always some sort of a roster purge, um, whether it's developmental or on the main roster. So this really doesn't come as a shock. Most times it's pretty quiet, but this, you know, this was, this was pretty to the point, very decisive. And like I said, I was really surprised with a guy like Mason Ryan because he fits the whole, you know, the Vince McMahon fetish of the big Jack dude, but I guess, you know, it, he, you know, he had long hair. I think he had long hair at one point and then he looked like Batista at another point. It was, it was just weird. It was so weird having two guys that really, really look so similar, but you know, it is what it is. I'm sure, you know, Mason Ryan will get picked up by, by TNA or maybe he'll get picked up by, by Jarrett's promotion, but who knows? I mean, there, there's gotta be something out there for these big Jack dudes, you know? Um, Jay says JTG will survive another year. <laughs> JTG probably just doesn't even, if they have a timesheet, JTG probably walks in and doesn't even sign it. He is, JTG is Milton from Office Space. 
Like, they just stopped giving him a paycheck, but he's still there. Like, that's that's JTG. It's weird. You don't see him on TV. He's still on the roster, but you never see him. Like, he just doesn't exist. It's really, really fucking weird. Um, I got to take a moment and talk about uh, Bobby Heenan. Uh, he actually, uh, it's reported that he got injured. He broke his shoulder getting out of bed um, earlier on this month. And um, it's funny because he was, well, not funny, but... It's strange because he was in, he was going to go to a wedding. He fell out of bed and he got hurt. And the crazy thing is that Bobby Heenan, if you don't know, has been battling cancer for quite some time. So the treatment that he's been utilizing to, for in his fight against cancer has made his bones very brittle. Now this concerns me for a couple of reasons. And, you know, saying that it was funny was just, uh, uh, you know, not what I wanted to say. I just, I, I find it unfortunate. But but funny in the same way because Bobby Heenan's one of the first guys. Tell me that tell me that the call dropped again. <sighs> Hold on a second, let me dial back in because of course. To start to start your show now. Since it appears you're calling back into a live show, we are reconnecting you now. Ah, Blog Talk Radio, two disconnects in one night. We are batting a thousand. Anyway, as I was saying, you know. The, the Bobby Heenan situation, I didn't think that Bobby Heenan was as hurt as I thought as I thought he was. On the contrary, I felt that he he was better he was in better shape from what I had last read. But this is a guy, Bobby Heenan is probably one of the first people when they talked about the WWE network, he was gonna be one of the first people I'd see on TV, whether it was in original programming or whatever. And it's just like I said, it, that's where that's where the humor comes in because you say WWE Network first guy I think of is Bobby the Brain Heenan. He's the first guy that comes to mind because he had such a great presence and he has so many great stories to share and to to think that you know his health has deteriorated so much and you know he's he's been so sick that we're not going to be able to enjoy so many of the Brain's great contributions to wrestling with the exception of seeing them in highlights. I think that. You know, Bobby Heenan, during his tenure in both WWE and WCW, he brought so much to the product. And again, you know, this is this is a guy that he, he was he was one of those guys that is an unsung hero of professional wrestling. And I say that because this was a guy who was involved in numerous storylines. He led numerous stables, Heenan family, you know, Andre the Giant, King Haku, then he went to WCW, and of course, all his contributions behind the mic as a commentator. It's it's just it's it's really sad that we can't enjoy more of the of the brain on right you know on WWE network programming because of his, of his current health condition. But again, you know if 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 what they're saying on the Wrestling Observer is true about him breaking his shoulder, you know uh, myself and the team here at MTR wish him a speedy recovery. I hope you know, that he can recover and that we don't read, you know, the stories that we, we really shudder to think about when it comes to professional wrestlers. But again, knock on wood, hopefully that is not the case and he can make a speedy recovery. All right. So the last bit of wrestling news I want to talk about are WWE's financial numbers. They uh, did their first quarter call earlier today and they were talking about all the revenue that they've been bringing in. But with that, with the bringing in of certain aspects of revenue, there were some losses. On the contrary, they actually reported an eight million dollar loss 
which um, they brought in an extra three, but they lost eight. Now, the funny thing is, and this is where this is where it gets a little crazy. Their TV revenue is up. Their live event revenue is up. Their licensing is down. Their pay-per-view revenue is down. And um, I'm sure that's going to be offset by the network. And the reason I say that is because DVD revenue is up. Digital media is down. Venue merchandise is down. But the network is new revenue and it's bringing in money. Now, with the WWE, if they were smart, they would start offering some advertising on the network. Nothing crazy, but just to some some smaller companies just as a different revenue stream. I mean, a commercial break here and there won't kill anybody, especially if you're watching uh, like a three-hour pay-per-view. You know, you could throw a commercial break in there uh, in between one or two segments, and it would it would probably help bring in some revenue just a little bit. I'm not saying to do like Hulu, but, you know, you could throw ads here or there, nothing too crazy, and, and you can actually allow that to contribute to the revenue stream. I'm sure some of you guys that are network subscribers wouldn't wouldn't be bothered too much because again it's it's one of those things that helps the company generate revenue now wwe studios product you know that the the part that puts out movies like oculus and and you know leprechaun and see no evil 2 that actually is making money which is not surprising because the movies aren't super expensive so it's allowing wwe to utilize another revenue stream and the wwe shop website also is making a lot of revenue now i can see why venue merchandise has dropped a bit and that's primarily just because you know we're still kind of recovering from the recession and live event tickets are are, they're not super cheap not only that but merchandise is wwe merchandise when you go to a live event is not cheap like each shirt is 25 bucks and you know concessions and everything else there's there's going to be a drop off somewhere now I'm sure, again, it's the first quarter call of 2014. I'm sure we're going to start seeing a lot of improvement on certain sides, on certain aspects, especially, I'm sure, on the network side, because more and more people are coming on board and subscribing. So, again, the revenue, the, um, you know, they lost an eight, they had an $8 million loss, but certain aspects of their, of their revenue are growing, some of it very, very steadily. TV revenue um, definitely went up. It went up $2.9 million versus the first quarter of 2013 which is good and i'm sure that once they lock down a network deal they're going to be ready to rock and roll with regards to that as well but again a very interesting first quarter call and um you know the wwe network continues to grow i'm sure they're going to hit the one million dollar subscriber the one million subscriber mark by the end of the year i definitely think that they're very very close and i'm sure as they continue to offer more unique programming and more great programming it's going to it's going to get more people on board. I think, you know, one of the things that they announced during the call was the return of Tough Enough. Tough Enough is coming back and it's going to be original programming on the WWE network. I think Tough Tough Enough would be good to utilize because you'd have superstars coming through Tough Enough, go to NXT and then go to the main roster. So I think uh using Tough Enough is going to get people to tune in a little bit. And if WWE keeps putting out more original programming like Legends House, that's going to really help them as well. All right. So that actually is going to wrap up the wrestling news for this week. Again, things were things were a little not quiet, but not too crazy. Of course, like I said, we got Extreme Rules coming up and um, we'll have an MTR live blog for that. And of course, our very own Jay Santee will be involved with that as well as the 
MTR Live blog on Mondays for Raw and on Thursdays for Impact. Like I said, be on the lookout for the posts. And if you want to add to the conversation, feel free to become involved by utilizing uh, My Take Radio's comment section. All right, that's going to wrap up this week's wrestling. Let's get into some gaming and technology news because there is definitely a lot to discuss. Uh, We got some... You know, we got some upcoming games I want to get into, and I also want to talk about a couple of other things that I noticed this week that I want to share with you guys. Let's get to it. All right. So, you know, the first thing, the first thing I kind of wanted to get into was uh, EA Sports UFC game, which actually shared uh, some interesting highlights with regards to its career mode. For those of you that don't know, the EA UFC game will be in stores June 17th. If you pre-order it, you'll get access to Bruce Lee and also the legendary Hoist Gracie. Now, the the difference between this game and previous, number one, a lot of people are saying that it plays like EA Sports MMA. I've been seeing a lot of um, more connected MMA and gaming websites that have got some hands-on time with it saying that it plays very similar to EA Sports MMA. Now, what they really wanted to expand on was the career mode, which is interesting because you'll start your career mode, obviously, and create a fighter. You can upload your own likeness uh, to create your own uh, to create your own face on your fighter using the game face feature. Of course, you can create a fighter in any of the UFC's eight weight classes and utilize any of the ten different fighting styles. So very cool that you can use the game face feature and really, really create really create yourself in the game. Of course. The the career mode is going to be interesting because it's going to utilize the ultimate fighter model. So you're going to have to win an elimination match to get drafted onto a tough, uh, an ultimate fighter team. Uh, You're going to have 13 pairs of real life fighters that can appear as coaches on the teams. So it's going to be very cool to see that, you know, Benson Henderson, Nate Diaz, Weidman and Machida. Jones and Gustafson and and a bunch of others. And of course, you're going to fight your way through the ultimate fighter show much like you watch on television. And of course, you're going to use that to work your way through the tournament and win a UFC contract. So besides that, you can play that career mode. And then the other option is to play the professional UFC career mode where your fighter is already part of the UFC roster and you can fight on pay-per-view undercards until you move your way up to the main card and of course, fight for the title. Now, the cool thing is besides that, they're going to introduce online championships. So you're going to be able to be involved with other opponents across the world. And if you win enough fights, you'll be able to challenge four belts held by certain opponents, which is very, very cool. So you're, you're playing, you've, you've got a record of whatever, 152 and three, you're going to challenge a guy who's, you know, 501 and 12, and he's the, you know, the welterweight champion in the U S and you can challenge that guy and, and fight him for the belt. I think it's a very, very cool incentive to get more people involved in multiplayer, and I felt that that I feel that that's something that's definitely lacking in a lot of multiplayer for MMA and also for wrestling games. Just the independent championships, like you can have a title created and then just compete online and defend that title. I think it's I think it's a cool concept. I think it's going to get people more engaged in multiplayer, and hopefully, if EA does it right, it's going to get a lot of people online very, very, very quickly. I definitely like the concept. I like the idea, and hopefully, it can be executed correctly. 
In addition to, obviously, the championships, there's also going to be online rivalries as well. So you'll be able to have rivalries that, let's say, me and Slick are both playing the game and we establish a rivalry. There's going to be head-to-head statistics and in-depth analysis that are going to be part of the game that are really going to add a little bit of a real fight feel, of a big fight feel and realism to your online rivalry. So, of course, that's going to be very, very cool. And, of course, last but not least... They showed off FighterNet, which is going to be the hub to track all your online competition. You'll be able to compare your statistics with your friends and your rivals. Plus, of course, you'll be able to share fight highlights, which considering how socially integrated both next-gen consoles are, I'm sure we're going to be seeing a lot of great knockouts, a lot of great spots from various people around the world. You know, maybe it's going to be a, uh, you know, a rampage slam from a triangle choke, or maybe it's going to be a beautiful one-punch knockout. So, Definitely, of course, very cool, and it's something that you're going to see a lot of. Last but not least, you can even have your highlight featured as a highlight of the night as well. So it's going to be very, very cool what they're doing. But as always, all of this stuff sounds great. It's the gameplay that's going to make or break this game. And like I said, a lot of people are saying it plays similar to EA Sports MMA, which is good in to some respect. The only thing I didn't like was the submission execution on EA Sports MMA, but you know what? It was definitely better than the submissions on the last UFC game. So, as always, once we learn more, we're going to definitely share it with you guys. And if I get the career mode trailer, be on the lookout for that on MyTakeRadio.com. Uh, real quick, it is 1.58 Eastern Standard Time. The Blog Talk Radio feed will be going off air in approximately two minutes. You can continue listening live via mtrlive.com. There she goes, 90 seconds. Or you can also continue listening and watching live by utilizing gfqlive.tv. And, of course, our Mixler feed, which will continue as as you know, as the show goes on for the remainder of the evening. Again, the Blog Talk Radio feed will be going off air in approximately 60 seconds, and you can continue listening live via Mixler.com forward slash MyTakeRadio, as well as MTRLive.com, where you can watch the show and also participate in the chat, and the same goes for GFQLive.tv as well. All right, so as I was saying, you know, a lot of great stuff from the UFC and EA Sports MMA for career mode. Uh, One game that I wanted to talk about a little bit that I was really, really surprised with the statistics for it was Metal Gear Solid 5 Ground Zeroes. Now, this game came out. A lot of people that I know are diehard Metal Gear fans picked it up right away, and then it just got really, really, really quiet. Now, I said to myself, did it get quiet because the game wasn't good, or or did it get quiet just because the game was... You know, it was decent, but it wasn't noteworthy. Well, according to Konami, the game was very successful as it sold. We got it. 10 seconds. As we as the game sold one million retail copies since it was released last month. Of course, this number is a worldwide number and includes only physical copies of the game as opposed to digital sales. Now, of course, the game was available digitally on PS3, PS4, Xbox 360, and Xbox One. But, again, it's it's pretty cool that the game, for as much lack of fanfare as I felt it had, did move a million units. So, um, the PlayStation exclusive Deja Vu uh, mission, which is going to be... Uh, it's going to be available, made available for free starting today. Well, starting yesterday, May 1st. So 
If you are a Metal Gear fan and you didn't and you want to get your hands on the Deja Vu mission, you will be able to pick that up for free. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 5 The Phantom Pain will be releasing either later this year or early next year. But until then, enjoy Ground Zeroes and, of course, definitely got to commend Konami for breaking the 1 million retail sales mark. Got to shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about The Last of Us because it's a game that it just continues to to extend its shelf life with DLC. And in this instance, it's, it's extending its shelf life for a little while longer. Uh, this next crop of DLC that's going to be coming out is going to be $4.99. And you're getting, uh, it's coming out May 5th. You're going to get four new maps, uh, new guns, survival skills, and a fully automatic weapon that can be used in multiplayer. So if you are a fan of The Last of Us and you still got it, definitely dust it off. You can get some brand new DLC and it is only five bucks. Like I said, you get a bunch of new maps, you get new survival skills and a fully automatic weapon. Of course, if you are a season pass holder, you will get that for free. But if not, it will run you for ninety nine. So earlier in the segment, we were talking about EA Sports MMA and how everybody's really, really hyped for that. But we know that as summer approaches, there's one thing and one thing only that a lot of people that are EA fans are going to talk about right away. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Madden. Now, we all know Madden comes out in August. It's one of those summertime staples that pretty much kind of puts the, the closes the door on summer gaming and starts preparing people for the fall and winter gaming season. That's the way I look at it. I always feel that the Madden release kind of closes things out. Then September's a little quiet. Then things start picking up in October and November. So, of course, this is going to be Madden's real... And I, and I say this, you know, some people may disagree... I feel that this Madden release will be the first real next-gen Madden and not a port like before. Obviously, uh, Madden 15 will be hitting stores August 26th in North America and August 29th uh, in Europe. The game will be released on Xbox One, PS4, Xbox 360, and PS3. As of right now, there is no cover athlete, but ESPN ESPN and EA will allow fans to vote. And the cover vote announcement will be made during the NFL draft on ESPN and the NFL Network on May 8th at 8 p.m. So if you are a Madden fan, you'll be able to jump on board and mark that on your calendar for August 26th. Jay says, I'm not getting that shit. Now, you know, Jay, why, why, why are you not picking up Madden? Like me, me personally, I haven't picked up a Madden game in years because I've always felt that Madden is a glorified roster update every year because since EA owns the NFL license and has it on such a lock, there's really no, there's no urgency to evolve the game or make the game better. On the contrary, in the old days when it was competing against NFL 2K, I felt that we were seeing some of the best Madden games in recent years. But as it turns out, once EA locked up the NFL license, it was business as usual. And in my opinion, I felt that there was very minimal evolution of the game as a whole. Yeah, they'd throw the occasional gameplay mechanic changes and the graphics would improve. But the overall quality of the game left much to be desired because it was incredibly repetitive. 
I've, I always stand by the fact that Madden should be a semi, you know, it, sh- it shouldn't be an annual release. It should be released every other year and allow players to just download roster updates. Maybe if you want to use that as DLC, uh, uniform changes, number changes, etc. You can download them and that'll extend the shelf life of the game. Instead, what happens is uh, people buy the game in August And by the time December or January rolls around, they're selling it back. And before you know it, your local GameStop or Best Buy or whatever local retailer that sells used games you go to is going to have 25 copies of Madden. That's the way it is. And then you'll be able to buy the game for $8. Sad but true. Jay says that he is skipping years and he is going to be picking up the 2016 Madden. Me personally, like I said, I've I've pretty much closed the door on Madden because I can pay, I can pick up Madden from you know 2011 and it's probably the same fucking game. I mean, obviously the players are going to change, but the overall scope of the game is pretty much the same. That's just me. I know a lot of guys that are diehard Madden fans. They plan it. It's on their calendars. They take a day off from work, and before you know it, you know they got a, a 62 and one record. And that's all they do. Me, I like playing Madden. I don't play it as religiously as everybody else, but I did enjoy it when I felt a passion for it. Now, you know, like much like Jay said, EA's gotten too comfortable and they're really not being tested. So they're getting lazy. Simple as that. Either way, I will say this. Next gen Madden is going to be the true test for EA. We're going to see if they're going to be able to utilize the power of both next-gen systems to give us something not only fun to play, but nice to look at. We'll see what happens. August will be here before you know it. I want to talk a little bit about Watch Dogs, which uh, released a brand new trailer for their season pass. Of course, if you've been by our Facebook fan page, you see that Slick has been sharing stuff about Watch Dogs on the fan page. So, of course, the season pass trailer is going to give uh, gamers access to a brand new single player story. Plus, you're also going to feature a brand new digital trip game mode called Conspiracy. It's also going to give you access to the Untouchables pack, new missions, weapons, outfits, and a whole lot more. Uh, the season pass is going to run you 20 bucks. You'll be able to pick that up for Xbox One, 360, PS3, PS4, and Windows PC. Again, Watch Dogs is incredibly uh, it's on everybody's radar. It looks really good. It does. The visuals look incredible. Um, our very own slick is super pumped. I'm sure he's going to be right on that day one. And of course you'll be on the lookout for a review from him with regards to that. Um, as for me, I do want to play this, but I'm trying to also get caught up on some of the other titles that are on my backlog. So you're going to be seeing a lot of different reviews from me gaming wise. Slick was kind enough to share uh, his link with regards to Watch Dogs and also make sure to check out uh, his review for, um, you know, uh, Call of Light as well. So be on the lookout for that. Okay, so the other bit of information, speaking of uh, Slick and Watch Dogs, Child of Light, sorry, (laughs) Call of Light. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Slick. Uh, Definitely check out Slick's Child of Light review. Um, I will tell you. It got a very, very high review score from Slick. If you're curious as to why, definitely read the review and you'll see. Light of Duty, yes. The little girl with a giant AK-47 just going to work. Light of Duty. I I, I could deal with that. Um, Speaking of Child of Light, which Slick was playing on PlayStation 4, PlayStation 4 is releasing their brand new software update, which, of course, Slick also 
uh, shared a little bit about on the site as well as on the Facebook fan page. Uh, this particular update has a lot of really, really great enhancements for the PlayStation system, including obviously the big one, the HDCP toggle, which will allow you to capture PS4 footage with your capture cards and share them online. This is very, very big because obviously HDCP has made it. Um, ah, thank you. Uh, for the, the PlayStation 4 update was live as of April 30th. Thank you, Slick. I didn't have the exact date. Of course, I can count on Slick for the assist. So if you have a PlayStation 4 or are planning on picking one up, I recommend you do so. This brand new 1.7 update is going to do uh, is going to enhance your system substantially. And of course, the big one, like I said, the HDCP toggle, which will allow you to capture the footage, share it online, use your uh, capture cards, whatever they may be. Me personally, I use an Elgato uh, game capture HD, but I know a lot of guys, they use the Avermedia live game or portable. And this is one of those things where we we've all become a culture that likes to share our gameplay. Uh, me personally, I like to share it one because I like to share all the old stuff Two, I like to also uh, utilize the footage for the reviews. And of course, our very own slick does as well. So if you have not updated your PS4, do so. Um, there's also a ton of other updates, but Rather than walk you through them on air, do us do yourselves a favor. Check out Slick's post on MyTakeRadio.com. I'm sure Slick will also uh, share the updates, uh, share the link in the chat room if you're in there and you want to check it out as well. All right, so I did want to get into uh, brand new Mario Kart, which of course everybody's been talking about. It looks beautiful. The gameplay looks awesome. The graphics look great. The remastered tracks are amazing. So none of us should be shocked when Mario Kart is getting its own bundle. Of course, the Mario Kart Wii U bundle will give you the game, the system. You're also getting a red Mario Wii, uh, Wii wheel, uh, excuse me, a red Mario Wii wheel accessory and a red Mario Wii remote plus controller. So it's going to run you 329 If you're on the fence about picking up a Wii U, I definitely think this is the bundle to get. Mario Kart never disappoints. It's timeless and it's always fun to play, whether by yourself or with a group of your friends. I Mario Kart never gets old. Even now, at 33 years old, I can grab three of you know three members of my family or three of my closest friends, and we could jump on Mario Kart and have a couple of laughs. It's it's something that never ever ever gets old. My sister Jessie, um, you know, I've talked about her on air a few times. One of her favorite games one of her favorite games and you know my sister I've, I've told you guys she has autism but she you know she's a hardcore gamer loves her games and Mario Kart is a, a it's a it's a game that always gets played in my house I can go downstairs any day of the week and she'll be down there playing Mario Kart and um, you know I believe last time I picked up for her I think I picked up a used copy of Mario Kart Double Dash because I still have like a GameCube for her and stuff and she plays all those games. I believe I picked up Double Dash on eBay. And, um, you know, she plays she plays that a lot. So, again, Mario Kart never gets old, never gets dull, and is always fun. Um, if you are interested in picking up the bundle, Mario Kart 8 hits stores Friday, May 30th. The Wii U bundle will run you 329 And if you're interested in picking that up, you can probably find it on our Amazon store, MyTakeRadio.com's Amazon store which of course, if you purchase any products through there, it does help us out 
as well. Definitely check that out for all your games and gadgets and anything that we mention on air. And of course, be on the lookout for links as well. All right. So this should come. This next bit of news should come as a shocker to absolutely no one. And that is Disney Infinity version 2.0. Now, we all know Disney Infinity came out. It was a direct competitor to Skylanders. And of course, you had lots of licensed Disney characters, Wreck-It Ralph, uh, characters from Frozen, Jack Sparrow, uh, characters from The Incredibles. And it was good, but it was met with mixed reviews. I know a lot of people that liked the concept, but didn't really like the gameplay. And this was something that I heard from a lot of different people. Some people would buy it. And they would, um, you know, they'd play the game for a little bit, but they just felt that having to deal with the toy box and doing all this shit, it wasn't as enjoyable as you would have liked. Not only that, but my manager, he picked it up for his son. He said that it's just not a game that younger kids can pick up and play right away because there's so many different things you have to do that it really just kind of sucks the fun out of it. Well, it looks like Disney is going to try again with brand new 2.0 edition of Disney Infinity, which big shocker will include marvel superheroes of course you're gonna get uh marvel characters such as hawkeye the hulk winter soldier iron patriot captain america iron man black widow thor loki spider-man modok rocket raccoon groot and countless others we knew that it was only a matter of time before the marvel license was utilized in a game like disney infinity and considering the wealth of characters that there are it's going it, to, you know, this is going to grow leaps and bounds. As of right now, um, you know, Brian Michael Bendis will be providing the story for the 2.0 edition, and they really have high hopes for this game. And based on how the figures look, I do think that a lot of people are going to jump on this, especially a lot of boys. I kind of felt that the first Disney Infinity was more girl-friendly. I mean, not 100%. We, I actually, we picked up Disney Infinity for Josh's daughter, and um, we picked it up with, I believe it was with Miss Incredible and uh, Elastigirl. And uh, I want to think uh, one other. I'm, I want to think that it was, I I think it was Sully from Monsters, Inc. And, um, you know, she she played it for a little bit. But again, it just it just was a little too cumbersome. I'm hoping that this brand new update will allow not only a, a substantial change to the gameplay, but just allow people to get back into it because there's a it, there's tremendous promise there. Not to say that Skylanders is shitty, because it's not, but I do think that the Disney license affords um, a wealth of possibilities, not only with characters, but also with other licenses that they own as well. So again, as soon as I hear more, I will share it with you guys. But for now, uh, know that Disney Infinity's Marvel Edition is coming. So get your wallets ready. All right. So last thing I did want to talk about, and this is something that I've noticed quite a bit the last couple of weeks, especially now that I'm in, I'm kind of involved in the, in the next gen side of things. So I went to Best Buy uh, last weekend, just looking around and they were running a sale on Xbox one games, 2990. I think it was 2999 or 3999. It started Monday. Um, it was rise and you know, some of the first release games that came out. And it was funny because I was talking to one of the guys in the, in the gaming department. And he said to me, he goes, you know, it's funny. We put the games on sale and even though people are buying them, it's still not moving systems the way it should. He was saying that, you know, we got an Xbox one delivery, um, Saturday night. And he said, we didn't sell as many as we would have thought come Sunday. 
And considering the deal that we're running on the games, I would have thought it would have sold more systems. So I said, so what's the story with the PS4? He goes, the PS4s come in and go out pretty quickly. We're not, we're not selling out every time, but we're definitely getting low stock every time they come in. So, you know, I was curious in the sense that, and I want to ask you guys about this. You, you have a new console, whether you're in the process of picking one up or you're not. What what are the first things that you're going to what are the first things you buy when you pick up a brand new console? Like what kind of a game are you looking to pick up as your first game? Are you looking at a multiplayer game or are you looking at a game that's um that's you know a flagship title? I'm curious. I'd like to know what you guys look for when you buy your your games. For me, I I look for like I said, I give myself two or three titles tops that I'm going to play for the first, you know, for the next couple of months. And then I kind of build on it from there. In this instance, like I said, I want a killer instinct and Titanfall was, you know, it was basically free. So that was my, that was my driving factor for, for Xbox one in slicks case. Slick says that he like, he would want an adventure game, which is, which is fine. You know, you want a game that'll keep you, that'll keep you drawn in for a substantial amount of time. I can, I can understand that. And I can agree with that logic, but I'm just, I'm just curious because I think about it. You put the games on sale, $29.99, $39.99, you make them cheap and you're still not moving systems. I just, it's just weird to me. And I'd like, you know, I'd love to just do like a focus group of people that are going to buy either an Xbox one or a PS4, put them in a room and just watch them be like, here's both systems. Here's five games from each lineup. From each launch lineup, show me what makes you want to pick this particular game. I'd love to see that. Slick says when he bought his PS4, he bought Assassin's Creed 4 and Marvel Super Heroes. Jay says that he likes to pick up action-adventure games or sports titles or something where I can be creative. You see, it's just, it's weird to me that you put these games on sale and you're still not moving units. Now, of course... It's easy to say that the price is a factor, but we've discussed this. You can, uh, there's plenty of deals going on with Xbox ones. Obviously the 449 deal at Best Buy is over, but I've seen deals where you pay, I think it's 499 and you get the Forza bundle and one game. So, you know, Newegg usually runs bundles like that and, um, your results, your mileage may vary, your results may vary, but I, I'd love to know what, you know, from, from more people, maybe I'll pose that in the, on the Facebook fan page. Like, what do they look for when they buy their new next gen console? What's the, what's the motivator? What's the motivator for them? And what kind of titles are they looking for? You know, because it's, it just, it, it really tripped me out that you have all these games and don't get me wrong. The launch lineup for Xbox one wasn't setting the world on fire. But, you know, if you if if you had never seen Rise before and you saw how how visually impressive it looked for 30 bucks, it's not it it wouldn't be a terrible buy. You get what I'm saying? Like you look at it and you're like, eh, 30 bucks, you know, 400 for the system, whatever. All right. So for 480 or whatever, five and change, I get a system, one game, and then I buy a $30 game. Or whatever the case may be, but it, I just find it, like I said, very, very strange. And I'm gonna try and pose that in the in the in the fan page and see what people say. But like I said, the the PS4s are moving as they should. The Xbox Ones, 
not so much at the moment. But again, as things change and if we get more MPD numbers, of course, we should have those for the um, the month of April, maybe next week. If we do, I want to dig into that a little deeper on next week's show. All right, so that actually is going to wrap up this week's gaming and tech segment. So uh, let's get into some entertainment news because there is quite a bit to discuss. So it looks like the power of Kate Upton, Cameron Diaz, and Leslie Mann actually dethroned Captain America as the other woman was number one at the box office this past weekend, earning $24.7 million. I can tell you right now that that rally will be short-lived as The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is off to an incredible start. Uh, of course, Captain America was in the number two slot, taking $16 million, bringing its total to $224.9 million. Heaven is for Real came in at number three. Rio 2 came in at number four. Brick Mansions, which I heard was pretty entertaining, was number five. Transcendence was number six. The Quiet Ones was number seven. Bears was number eight. Divergent was number nine. And A Haunted House 2 was number 10. Of course, like I said, Spider-Man's off to a, to a wild start, and I have a feeling that by the time it's all said and done, we're going to see some record-breaking numbers internationally already. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is a success, so we're going to see what happens domestically. Okay, so funny thing that I was reading was that they cast the, uh, you know, the character of Victor Stone Cyborg, which I announced on air last week. So, of course... It's easy when you hear that to say, all right, you got Wonder Woman, you got Batman, you got Superman, you got Cyborg. How long is it going to be before they announce a Justice League movie? Well, it took one whole week, one whole week to announce the brand new Justice League movie, which is going to be directed by, you guessed it, Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder will be directing Justice League, which uh, they are expecting in 2017. So, Again, we're, we're off to a, to a promising start. We're trying to establish a cast and we're trying to get all the characters together. But like the Avengers, you got to do it in baby steps. And personally, while I like the concept of Batman versus Superman, I am a little apprehensive because with the Avengers, you kind of knew who was going to carry the bulk of the film. And in this case, it looks like even though it's going to be a Superman movie, I have a feeling that Batman's going to carry the bulk of the load just because Ben Affleck is a more established actor. Again, we'll see how it pans out, but know that Justice League is imminent. All right. So funny thing that I noticed was heavily talked about this past week was Xbox's brand new original content. Now, as we all know, Xbox One and PlayStation 4 are really trying to become the centerpieces of your home entertainment center. And as such, obviously, the staples are there, Netflix, uh, Hulu, you know, YouTube, whatever you use. But it, it was only a matter of time before they decided to take it to the competition, that being Netflix. Now, it's very easy 
to say that Netflix is the cornerstone of home entertainment nowadays. You have your basic cable and then you have Netflix. And whenever, whenever you're bored, you can always find something to watch on Netflix, whether it's original content or any of their thousands upon thousands of movies. Well, Xbox and PlayStation are both trying to create original content that is going to get people more in line with using the console versus, you know, jumping on Netflix or, you know, using it as a, as a DVR or something like that. They're, they're really trying to just engage with the, with the audience in terms of just consuming media through that. And while I do agree with the, the strategy, I do feel that it's going to, it's not going to be something that's going to take off right away. Obviously, in Microsoft's case, you know that they're going to jump right in and utilize the Halo franchise, which they're going to do by creating Halo content for Xbox One. They're also trying to create a bunch of other original shows, and they're going to be releasing them gradually. I believe it's going to start in the fall. Of course, I'm sure the Halo series will come first because a brand new Halo title is in the works. But funny thing is that while Xbox and PlayStation are doing that, Netflix is jumping in bed with Marvel to create brand new original series dedicated to some of the more lower key, lower tier heroes, which, by the way, is going to take place in the same cinematic universe as the rest of the Marvel films and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Of course, uh, Daredevil, Luke Cage and Iron Fist are going to be the first uh, series that are going to be airing on Netflix. But Instead of them being in a self-contained Marvel Knights darker universe, they will be part of the existing universe as a whole, which is very interesting because there's a lot of different uh, there's a lot of different carryover. Obviously, Luke Cage has been a member of the Avengers. Uh, we know that Daredevil and Spider-Man have a very, very close relationship and have been involved in numerous adventures together, obviously, with with Spider-Man being property of of Sony you know it's it's very interesting where that's going to go but there's there's a lot of different carryover with all the properties as a whole like right now we look at Agents of Shield Agents of Shield turned the corner after Captain America and the Winter Soldier and has become a pretty pretty solid show it still has its we- its weaknesses don't get me wrong there's certain aspects of Agents of Shield that I still am not a fan of but if Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. ties into the existing Marvel Universe, you can see characters like Luke Cage or Iron Fist or Daredevil show up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Also, this also gives Marvel the opportunity that if Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. does not become the success that they'd hoped on ABC, they can possibly integrate it into Netflix and continue Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that way. And considering that we're starting to see so many different uh, lower tier Marvel characters, obviously Glenn Talbot, um, who is an enemy of the Hulk and um, Deathlock showing up as well. There's there's a lot of very unique uh, things that can be done by tying in all these shows. We'll see what happens as it as it develops. But Xbox, PlayStation and even Netflix are all trying to corner the market on original content. I do feel Netflix has the upper hand due to the Marvel license. We'll see if maybe Xbox or PlayStation tries to grab uh, the DC license and create original content for DC. Or who knows, the Dark Horse may be Amazon and their original content offerings may be the ones that are going to kind of sweep, pull the rug out from under Netflix, Xbox, and PlayStation. Of course, as more develops, I will share it with you guys. So... 
One film that I kind of thought was swept under the rug looks like it's actually going to start picking up steam and will be coming to the big screen, and that is Max Steel. Now, Max Steel, of course, is based on the TV series of the same name, and um, they actually are starting to announce some casting for it. Andy Garcia will be joining the cast. Andy Garcia will be playing the, the mysterious scientist, Dr. Miles Edwards. Of course, uh, Max Steele follows Max McGrath, who is 16 years old, and his alien companion, Steele, who, when they combine together, become a being with tremendous powers. Obviously, this is going to be big for the kids set, but I do feel that you got to kind of tread lightly because... If you do it wrong, you may not get Spy Kids. You may end up getting just a dud. So, I mean, the Spy Kids franchise, I always felt, was incredibly successful because of the acting and the innocence of the stories. If Max Steel utilizes the same things, then maybe it can become a brand new franchise that kids can get behind. We shall see how that unfolds. Of course, this next bit of news is is so huge, so insane. It's everywhere, and that is the photo with the Star Wars cast for brand new Episode 7. Now, of course, we got our newcomers, we got our veterans, including, um, of course, uh, Han Solo, Princess Leia, Luke Skywalker, and, you know, those those actors are there. Peter Mayhew is there for Chewbacca, Anthony Daniels for C-3PO, and we got a bunch of new actors as well, including John Boyega from Attack the Block, Daisy Ridley, uh, Adam Driver from Girls, um, Oscar Isaac, Andy Serkis, uh, Domhal Gleeson, and of course the legendary Max von Sydow. Of course, like I said, they joined the legendary cast, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, Anthony Daniels, Peter Mayhew, and Kenny Baker. So with that said, we know that the primary cast is there and there's still one other female lead that is to be cast because, of course, the Internet automatically gets on their high horse by saying, why aren't there more female characters? It's like it's one fucking photo, guys. Give it some time. Give it a few minutes. Let let it sink in. Let it marinate. Let it let it just become the new sensation that it's supposed to be before automatically jumping on your high horse and shitting on it. Now, the funny thing is, of course, you know, there's there's rumored spots for for, you know, character actors like Benedict Cumberbatch, Jesse Plemons, who everybody's been talking about, uh, you know, rumored actors that have been considered whether they're going to be involved or not remains to be seen. But seeing a photo with the core cast is very, very interesting. And the other thing is that the extended universe that's what that's been established post Star Wars is not going to matter. Disney is looking Disney is looking to establish its own standalone universe. So all those extended universe stories that you guys love so much that you think were going to be adapted to the big screen, zip, not happening. Zilch, not nothing. Not not a not a single shred of it is going to be adapted. I'm sure they may borrow names or characters maybe. But in terms of adapting a uh you know one of the extended universe books to the big screen, nope. Not going to do it. So with that said, if you're a Star Wars fan, this is a very, very exciting time as a sci-fi fan and a Star Wars fan. Excuse me. Me personally, I do feel that I'm not going to rush to judgment with any of the casting or any of the characters because you're going to you have to let this develop. It's such a huge thing. Um, you know, it's such a huge franchise that let them create their own mythology just because if they deviate and they use the, you know, the extended universe and they do something wrong, people are going to be pissed. 
So let them build it from the ground up and let them create their own universe. That's all I'm saying. Sadly, Jay, as far as I know, no Luke going to the dark side, but it might happen. Could happen. Not to say that it's that it's an that it's impossible, but it's not going to be something that they're going to focus on as far as I'm concerned. Like I said, this film is going to take place 30 years after Return of the Jedi, and the expected release date for the film is December 18th, 2015. So there you have it, Star Wars fans. Mark that on your calendars, and of course, as we get more casting news, we will be sharing it with you guys. On the video game movie front, I am happy to report that it looks like Assassin's Creed finally has a director. It looks like uh, Justin Kurzel, who worked previously with Michael Fassbender in the uh, in their version of Macbeth, will be working with Fassbender again for the big screen version of Assassin's Creed. Of course, Regency and Ubisoft are also working on Splinter Cell with Doug Lyman directing and Tom Hardy starring. So Assassin's Creed has its director and its lead and Splinter Cell has its director and its lead as well. So I'm going to give you guys a little Easter egg and you guys can do as you wish with it. Um, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 has a very, very, very interesting uh, set of post credits that you're going to want to check out. Um, What you got to do is when the film is playing, there's going to be a song that's being played. It's called It's On Again by Alicia Keys and Kendrick Lamar. And what you're going to do is you're going to take your Shazam app, which you may still have on your phone. If not, you can download it. And you're going to play, you're going to use the Shazam app while the song is playing. And what's going to happen is you're going to get a copy of the credits minus the titles, which is going to be sent to your mobile device. Now, when you look at those credits, the photos that will be shown are actually teases for possible members of the Sinister Six. So obviously we know that Amazing Spider-Man 2 is building up for the Sinister Six. But it's very cool that they allow you to do that and you'll be able to see some of the potential characters that they're considering. Obviously, some you may recognize and some you may not. I don't want to spoil them all, but there are some characters that you will recognize right away, two of which you will recognize from the current Spider-Man film. The others, you're going to have to use your comic book knowledge and try and figure it out. They're relatively easy, minus the last one, which could be one of two particular characters. So either way, um, do take into consideration that this is not final. Drew Goddard is still working on the Sinister Six, so that lineup may change, but it's a nice way to kind of get a buzz going. So again, if you have the Shazam app and you're going to go see Spider-Man 2, use the Shazam app while the song is playing, and you will get the pictures sent to your phone without the credits. Just something to look forward to. And again, I can't stress enough. We all know this with Marvel films, but I have to remind you, don't leave when the film ends. Can't stress it enough. That's all I'm saying. In some sad news, I have to um, share this bit of news about the passing of Bob Hoskins. Of course, uh, Bob Hoskins, many of you guys may recognize him for his portrayal as Mario in the very terrible Super Mario Brothers movie with John Leguizamo. But a lot of you that are longtime uh, cartoon fans may recognize him from one of my favorite films, that being Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Now, the funny thing is that Who Framed Roger Rabbit is a film that it can be on twice a day. And um, it's it's just such a great movie. I love it because it was... Really one of those um, 
it was one of those first like huge crossover movies you see. It's like, oh, wow, look, it's Daffy Duck and Donald Duck on the screen at the same time. And it's just, you know, I love watching it. It's a trip down memory lane. Bob Hoskins, uh, he was he was tremendous in that. He was 71 years old and um, he actually died from pneumonia. He was uh, he's been, you know, two years after retiring from acting after being diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Um, you know, he succumbed to pneumonia. He was surrounded by his family in his home. And uh, like I said, 71 years old. And he's been in a lot of great movies, uh, Mermaids, Long Good Friday, Hook, uh, Mrs. Henderson Presents. He's been in, um, he was in the movie with Jet Li. I, the, the name escapes me because I only saw it once. Um, but again, just, just my favorite, my favorite film that he was involved in was Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which was amazing. And if you, if you're not familiar with it, I want to share this particular scene because it is a favorite of mine from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And it really shows how awesome Bob Hoskins was on behalf of myself and the MTR staff. Of course, we send our condolences to Mr. Hoskins family. Check out this awesome scene from Roger Rabbit with the late Bob Hoskins. Nothing's funny to you, ain't it, Needle Nose? You've got a problem with that value? Ah, I just uh, want you to know something about the guy you're going to get. <laughs> now, Roger is his name. Laughter is his game. Come on, you dope, untie his rope and watch him go insane. He's lost his mind. I don't think so. This singing ain't my line. It's tough to make a rhyme. If I get stuck, I'm, I'm out of luck. I'm, uh, I'm running out of time. Thanks. Yeah, one of my one of my favorite scenes. It was it was tremendous. I was like, you know, when I was a kid and I saw it, I was like, wow, you know, this was pretty funny. And who who would have thought that Bob Hoskins doing that, and then he'd go and you know he'd be Mario and just a terrible terrible adaptation of the Super Mario Brothers films. But again, you know, every actor has their duds, but I I at least can can say that I enjoyed his work in Roger Rabbit. And um, if you've never seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit and you're a fan of just hand-drawn animation. I cannot stress enough that you should check it out. All right, so we got some what-the-fuck movie news this week, and it is a doozy. So David Spade did an Ask Me Anything or an AMA, for those of you not familiar with Reddit speak. Um, and during that AMA, David Spade said that they are going to be doing a sequel, get this, a sequel to Joe Dirt. Now, if you guys remember, Joe Dirt was an abysmal, abysmal film with David Spade in the lead, and it just, it was it was awful. I know a lot of people got a soft spot for it, but I personally felt it was a festering pile of shit. Either way, 
Joe Dirt is going to be getting a sequel, and David Spade is going to try and get together with some of the previous cast members from the first film. So if you're a fan of Joe Dirt, God help you, <laughs> you'll be you'll be happy to know that a Joe Dirt 2 is incoming. So I did want to kind of close out with uh, three things. First up, Sharknado 2 is not even out yet, but a Sharknado 3 is coming. Sharknado 3 looks like it is going to be hitting screens uh, later on in 2015. So there you have it. We got Sharknado 2, which is going to probably hit screens this summer. And Sharknado 3 will be hitting screens in 2015. So there you have it, folks. Get ready to cringe with a third Sharknado. And of course, uh, last week and the week prior, we were talking about Goosebumps and a rebooted Smurfs coming to the screen to the big screen but it looks like those films will be getting delayed uh goosebumps is now going to be uh pushed from march 2015 to august 2015 and the smurfs reboot is going to be pushed to 2016 so this brand new release date for goosebumps is going to put it up against assassin's creed when it hits the big screen so there you have it we got two delays we got a bit of what the fuck movie news with sharknado 3 and that is actually going to wrap up the show for this week so with that said let's take it home you've just heard my take radio episode 226 for thursday may 1st yeah, May 1st, <laughs> almost said May 2nd, May 1st, 2014. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. You can always find us on social media, on Twitter, at mytakeradio, on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash mytakeradio, and of course, you can follow our boards on Pinterest and add us to your circles on Google+. If you want to keep up with some of my happenings, you can always, um, you know, I allow uh, followers on Facebook so you can follow me on Facebook. But best way to keep, get in touch is via email or via Twitter. Otherwise, if you want to help out the show, you got a couple of different ways to do it. First up, of course, you can download the official My Take Radio app available for Android, iOS and Windows devices. It's $1.99 cheaper than a cup of Starbucks and it gives you access to 96K stereo episodes of the show. Uh, mobile wallpapers and other exclusive content as well for ios devices you can find it on itunes for windows mobile of course you can get it in the windows marketplace and last but not least for android devices you can get it from the amazon android store if you want archived episodes of the show you can find us on TuneIn radio stitcher uh blackberry podcasts uh itunes of course and any of your other podcast providers if you are getting the shows via itunes please take a moment and review the show. It helps us get better placement in the rankings, and we really, really, really appreciate it. Last but not least, of course, as I mentioned at the start of the show, My Take Radio has launched a Patreon account. So if you're interested in contributing to the show, you can do a dollar per episode, or you can do $5 per episode, and you will help out that way. Of course, we got over a thousand of you that listen. So even if each of you donated a dollar, it would allow us to get new equipment and add, you know, tons of new stuff to the show, cover events, etc., cover hosting fees and dozens of other benefits. So again, uh, no obligation. If you want to help us out, you can check out Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. 
com forward slash my take radio. I will put the link in the show notes. And like I said, if uh, you want to contribute a dollar, uh, the reward is, of course, that I will you will get a personal thank you on air. And if you contribute five dollars, we will put a Patreon thanks uh, closing credit at the end of the video and make sure to include you there immortalized in all your glory for all the viewers to see. All right. So on behalf of myself, Slick, Quark, Blade, Jay, and the rest of the MTR family, I will catch you guys next week. Thank you all for tuning in as always, and uh, see you next Thursday. All right. I'm out of here. Peace. All right. Let's pick some outro music, shall we? I got to get into the habit of having our music queued up because every week I want to try and give you guys uh, something different, and we always end up kind of leaning towards some of our old staples. But uh, you know what? I think this week we're going to go a little different, and we're going to go out with our friends, uh, from my, our buddy from Artificial Fear, and we're going to use his music to close us out. And I'm sure it's a theme you guys know all too well. See you guys next week. <laughs>